Oh, hello. I'm Sketch. And I'm Shades. And this is Geeking, Geeking Out with Shades and Sketch. Sketch. Welcome back, long-time listeners. Welcome back, Shades. Welcome back, Sketch. Welcome to the rock. Oh, every time you join us, ladies and gentlemen, you join us in a, in a different location in the Geeking Out multiverse. And uh, yeah, this this time. We're, Sketch, Goko, it's been a while. It's been a while. We're back. We're back. Goko hastily set up hastily set up you're probably thinking to yourself well you had quite a pause in episodes you must have been setting up the goko the whole time oh no oh no oh no oh no long time 10 minutes just plugged in these mics just got everything up and running um we had to move locations a couple times it got a little hairy a little hairy sketch where is goko set up goko uh this time set up in uh well as you said the rock the rock uh i believe the southern the lighthouse? Southern is that what it's lighthouse. called? The Southern Lighthouse of the Rock, also known as Alcatraz, Alcatraz Island. Island, also known as Dwayne Johnson. Yes. This was his first role in a major motion picture. Sketch, I, I don't think that's accurate. That wasn't him? I don't think so. God, I thought this was his best role yet. Um, so, yeah, if you haven't picked it up, this time we're talking about The Rock. The Rock. The Sean Connery. Nicholas Cage. Nicholas Cage. 1996 buddy buddy duo two-hander uh michael bay michael bay directed his second movie oh, ever made what was his first bad boys oh i didn't know that yeah he went from bad boys to the rock oh, to armageddon oh wow it's crazy yeah that is crazy i don't know I, I, one two three this is all before boom, um, boom boom i like was paying attention to like names and stuff like right that. so that's pretty cool so yeah so uh if we are talking the, the rock, rock do we have a theme song. I think we do shoes. sketch. Do you wanna you wanna take it away? Sure. And I think it's gonna be a long, long time. Till touchdown brings me round again to find I'm not the man they think I am at home. Oh, oh no, 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 no. I'm a rocket man. Rocket man. If that doesn't make sense to you, you have never seen The Rock. Clearly not. Because uh, that was perfect. In, it was perfect. It was perfect. In the movie. In the movie. Um, Referenced in the movie. And so that will be your one and only spoiler before the spoiler warning, guys. Spoiler warning we're gonna for spoil. the careers of Nick Cage, Sean, Sean Connery. Connery, Ed Harris. Ed Harris. You know, I had forgotten Ed Harris was in this movie uh, um, until basically Ed Harris up. in this movie is the we're chef's gonna kiss. We're going to get there. We're going to get gonna there. Get there. Um, so yeah, so this particularly was a Shades uh, request, I be- and I believe a listener request, and I was just one hundred percent on board. So, awesome. Um, so yeah, so we're gonna spoil the movie Sketch, and those careers. It's, it's been so long since we did this. How do we usually start? We usually start with our own, our own personal right? history, personal history of the Rock. I'm assuming, per usual, you have a longer history with this movie than I do. I don't know if it's that much longer, but Sketch, what's your history with the Rock? Um, I this again was before I was seeing theaters, uh, movies in theaters. Um, you had seen movies, but not movie theaters. Correct. I mean, I had seen like a handful. weren't allowed of in movies. It's a long story. There was a photo on the wall. Do not allow this child in. No sketches allowed. It. And I would say, you let Sketch McGillicuddy in. And they oh, say, we can have one. We can have one. And I said, oh, Simpsons did it. Um, So uh, The Rock was definitely a movie I caught like on TV, you know, a syndicated yeah. 
you know, on TV. Um, my wife really likes The Rock. This is this is Ooh, another one of those Mrs. movies. Sketch? Yeah, she, you know, she grew up. I grew up with a father who liked comedy, and she grew up with a father who liked action. Yes, so, I see that. I can. Um, that makes so, total sense. Yeah. Math checks. So this is one that you know she had very fond memories of. So when I said, "Oh, we're doing it for the podcast," I'm gonna watch it. She was all all in, and I was like. You know, this is probably going to be one of those instances where I've caught this thing on TV a couple times, but right. obviously I've missed stuff. I got to say, on the rewatch, I think I'd seen the whole movie right, in bits and pieces at, at some point. Nothing surprised me. Everything came back right. to me when I watched it. So, um, It's interesting yeah. because in doing the research for it and, and thinking back to it, there were scenes that I was like, oh, I don't remember this happening this way. Mm -hmm. So uh, it was heavily edited for violence on television mm. so it's mm. like some of this some of the the it a lot of scenes don't play as as as, as graphic gratuitously or, or graphically mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um as as they do if you watch it in a purchased copy mm. Mm -hmm. some of the some of the dialogues edited some of the like the deaths are edited oh yeah there were some there was absolutely some lines that i did not remember yes absolutely it's like there's the you know We've already given the spoiler warning. One of the one of the early once once Mason and and Goodspeed are, are Mason being Sean Connery, Connery. and sure, Sean Connery. and uh, Goodspeed being Nicholas Cage. Nicholas Cage, sir, Nicholas sir, Nicholas Cage. Cage. Uh, there's a scene where uh, he he throws a knife yeah. and says, "You must never hesitate." Yeah, and it catches the guy right in the throat and goes right through his throat. Yeah. Redacted from television. Yeah, yeah, that wasn't there. Uh, uh, an air, a, a ceiling-mounted heater air <laughs> conditioner yeah. also falls yeah. on a gentle. It, it, the, the scene ends when it starts to fall in right. the TV version. Yeah. In the in the if you purchase it, in the actual cut of the film, and it crushes him. Oh yeah, yeah, twitching feet. Twitching. Does that you've 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 uh, had more experiences? Is that normal? Would you like me to kill him again? Yeah. <laughs> One of the best. Sean Connery. One of the best. Fucking amazing in this movie. Um, yeah, but what I'm saying is, like, on the TV, nothing major was cut out that, like, I yeah. missed plot points or no, I missed, no, like, no, no. how did this character get there or what's the motivation here? Everything was there. And that's there. impressive because it's a movie that's over two hours. Yeah. yeah. So rarely do you get a edited for TV where it is yeah, where you get, left you get the whole intact and you get the whole potatoes, thing. If you will. So what's your, what's your history with The Rock? Again, I had only ever seen this on television, similar to yours, but this is another one of those movies that, you know, birthday parties you know you're hanging out at some friend it's on tv yeah. they own it it's mm -hmm. on in the background it's one of those movies we, that we've talked about before that it, it's always on yeah. at a at a gathering whether yeah. it's on television for like a movie marathon weekend or somebody owns it similar to like an independence day or some, i can't remember what else you we've know talked about. long time listeners i'm gonna throw this out to you if you could come up with like a good term for this kind of movie that, like, mm. you just know you've seen. It just lives in the cultural zeitgeist. Yeah, like, yeah. what do, What it's, should we call it's so those? ubiquitous. What should we call those moving forward LTLs? Like, I like that. Right in. Right into the I, show. I, I, I want, like, a good phrase for that kind of movie. We will. We will. Let's make it a contest. It's a contest. Send your submission. Yeah, everything's a contest. And from then on, it will be insert, insert your name here. Mm -hmm. Whatever the thing is, Whatever like, we can't give is. you the answer. We can't give you the answer. Yeah. yeah, show your work. And there you go. Yeah, yeah, I'm interested. Long division. Show the work. So you know what we're talking about. So both of us had kind of seen this movie in that capacity. And I would say I I've seen this movie on television no less than twenty times. Yeah, it's it's a frequent frequent. Do you our one. first year of college? Uh -huh. Do you remember we had like clearly so 
our freshman year was 2002, 2003. Yeah. Um, the early days of broadband internet mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. was relatively new. That was certainly the first time I had broadband internet. Mm-hmm. I still had dial up at home, yeah, I think, or, or we had just gone to broadband, but it was not. Mm-hmm. So they were just starting to package things. Yeah. And our college clearly bought a package because our freshman year, we had this crazy movie channel. Oh, did we? And I remember watching The Rock on that movie. Like we had a nice. number of movie channels. And I remember watching The Rock on like a actual television mm-hmm. in my dorm room mm-hmm. with my roommate. There you go. Who didn't give a shit, was yeah. not a movie person. Yeah. And I was geeking out hard over it. it was, and like headphones on, you're annoying me. Shut the fuck up. Go yeah. watch this somewhere else. And that roommate was sketch. <laughs> and that, here we are. That roommate was not sketch. 20 years We've later. We talked about that. Same relationship. Yeah. Same relationship. Um, so, yeah, I've, I've seen this a lot. And you love it. I do. I, I'm not like, uh, I don't like salivate at an action movie. Yeah, no, me, yeah. The, the, neither, neither of us are like action, action movie. I've seen a lot of them, yeah. but I don't salivate at like a traditional shoot 'em up. Yeah. Rah, 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 special forces. Yeah, yeah. Good guys going in to save the day. Yeah, yeah. We, it's we, not, yeah. it's not my. No, it's not your cup of tea. Not my cup of tea. Not what I geek out over. But I love this movie. I absolutely do. I think it's, I, it really, I, I'm dangerously close to raving, raving here. Dangerously close. Okay, so I want Sketch to see my. He's my, covering something, ladies and my, gentlemen. Uh, my research for. Oh, okay. Uh, so the, the history, the history is longtime listeners, listeners. This movie is bonkers. The research, I geeked out hard. I have one, two, two and three quarter pages of history notes. Mm. I'm going to read it all, but I might edit it down yeah. for the actual episode. And maybe depending on if Sketch's eyes are glazing over or not, that'll be a good indicator. Here they go. Um, and, and if that happens, I will put the audio up on our Patreon if you want to hear the whole That's thing. That's fair. That's fair. So I'll, I'll let Sketch be the indicator and I'll know pretty quickly if, if Sketch is in or out. Boy, God. But I have to listen to the whole thing either way. You do. You do. I'm you paying, have to listen to I'm the whole thing. I'm paying in another way. Okay, yeah. here we go. All right. Buckle up, ladies and gentlemen. The Rock was conceived as yet another blockbuster smash hit between producers Jerry Brockheimer, Don Simpson, and director Tony Scott, who together made some of the biggest movies of 80s movie culture and American movie culture history. Those include Top Gun, Days of Thunder, they made Beverly Hills Cop, and Beverly Hills Cop 2 with um, Tony, Tony Scott, the director, and also Crimson Tide. Uh, so, but director Tony Scott passed on this movie. Interesting. Read the script or read the lack of a script yeah. and was like, pass. Simpson and Brockheimer then turned to newly minted action director, Michael Bay, whose sole credit was the Simpson Brockheimer produced bad boys to helm the project. Mm-hmm. The pair sold the script idea. So they had a spec script that was under a hundred pages they sold this idea to Walt Disney Pictures with just the spec script by David Weisenberg and Douglas Cook with Tony Scott attached to direct. Now, unbeknownst to Disney, Scott had already said, not doing this. So Simpson and Brockheimer move forward with Michael Bay attached. They then approach Arnold Schwarzenegger to star in the picture. In which role? So this oh, is where this it's is, unclear. Yeah, okay. Brockheimer maintains they offered the, and Bay 
maintained they offered Schwarzenegger the role of Stanley Goodspeed. Okay, that was Schwarzenegger maintains that he was offered the Sean the Mason role. Yeah, it is. He couldn't have been the Mason role. He 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 wasn't old enough. And and that's what everybody's saying. Like he, this is Schwarzenegger waxing poetically in his later career that he could have played that Sean Connery part because. Do you and know I, this? I think that agrees. I, you, I agree with that as well. Do you know this off the top of your head? When did Alcatraz as a prison close? 1968. Okay, so he could not have escaped that. No. And then this movie takes place like 30 years later. Right. And yeah, no, that's not believable. Right. Okay. Um. Yeah, and I agree with that wholeheartedly. Mm-hmm. I think he was clearly, to, in my opinion, and based on my research, offered Nick Cage. Yeah. Um, because Sean Connery seems to have been in from the moment he read the script. Good. And and Sean Connery in a weird in between point. He had done like the Highlander, Highlander one and and Highlander two, the quickening. Mm-hmm. But he, this is post Bond. He's done mm-hmm. some romantic comedies. He's done some art pieces. What he's romant- kind of he was in romantic comedies. Yeah. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, not romantic comedies. Um, like romantic thrillers, r- romantic dramas, romantic dramas. Um, and he's done he's done um. Last Crusade. Mm. Sean Connery, 65 when he did this movie. Wow. He brings it, in my opinion. Yeah, we're going to get there. We'll get there. Okay, so uh, they offered the role of Goodspeed. I'm going to stand on that. Two Schwarzenegger, but he passed on it for Eraser. Okay. Which I don't know if you've ever seen, but it's a terrible movie. I've not seen it. Okay, Nick Cage catches wind of the project Uh and convinced the producers to take him on. He wanted to prove to Hollywood that he could, in fact, carry an action movie. Because Hollywood was skeptical of this, he had just won Best Actor in 1995 for Leaving Las Vegas, in which he played, like, this very quirky, sensitive character. And Hollywood's like, nope, you're not believable as an action star. So Nick Cage wants to prove that he can carry an action movie. Okay. And so he's, like, lobbying hard for this role. And to me, that's like, when you think of Nick Cage now, Mm -hmm. I think he's most synonymous with um moonstruck okay maybe leaving las vegas but i don't ever think of that movie he won an oscar for it. but i think of moonstruck which is like his first mm-hmm. movie and then all of the like ridiculous action movies that he's, he does con air right after this it's another one of my wife's favorite movies i um, i also love con air but that's a batshit movie crazy um batshit crazy movie words are hard i'm gonna take a hot take on this mm-hmm. am i allowed to insert a hot take? sure please I agree with both of them. I agree <laughs> that Nick Cage could bizarre choice could uh, carry an action movie, right? But I also agree with the Hollywood execs who thought Nick Cage could not be this the is action not a, hero. Yeah, this is not a sure bet. This is he is a specific type of hero, and I don't think that type of action hero existed. Before he, he, he did so, this, yeah. So I agree. If they were looking for something very specific and very formulaic to what they had done before, I agree. They could have done it. A great but, example of this, uh, Guns Akimbo is yeah. Daniel Radcliffe doing yeah. Nick Cage. Yeah. And um, thank God Nick got in because I think. I know. I, and, and, yes. and that and that, um, and that it worked. Right. And that it, he was able to carry it in his very Nick Cage way. Right. This isn't Nick Cage being a. Bruce Willis I, or a, I, yeah, I would say this is the genesis of like ultra heightened, yeah. insane Nick, Nick Cage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so when, did, when does Face Off 
in his career. Is this after? It's got to be. It's got to be I after a Con Air. And it's, I think that's like 98 or 99. Okay. Never saw face I'm, off. It's got to be after this because this is his turn as an action hero. Okay. And then he does Con Air in 90. This is 96. Con Air is 97. So Face Off has got to be 98 or 90, uh, 99. Face Off starts with child murder, full on Nick Cage. Spoilers for Face Off. Second time we brought up a movie with child, child murder, murder and are just talking today. Yeah. Um, okay. Nick Cage is in. He convinces them to do it. Sean Connery. Already in. Already in. Demands rewrites to the script. Okay. So the team involved for the rewrites involve Mark Ros- Rosner, Jonathan Hensley, Aaron Sorkin, and Quentin Tarantino oh, wow. are brought in to rework the, sc- the script because mm-hmm. it doesn't feel like it's work- working. Sean Connery insists that Dick Clement and Ian Lafranus be brought onto that team as well, specifically to rewrite Mason's dialogue to make it sound more British. Okay. And, and he's worked with them on a number of movies previously, most famous, his turn as James Bond in Never Say Never Again, okay. which is not official Bond cam- canon. Oh, interesting takes place between two Roger Moore movies um, and is not produced by Eon. We'll get into that later. Oh, we're getting into that later. We'll get into that later. Wow. So at at Sean Connery's request, they're brought onto the team, and this this new team takes the script and just, like, injects steroids into it. Into the heart. Can you, like, this team includes Aaron Sorkin and Quentin Tarantino. Yeah, who's Aaron Sorkin? What would I know? West Wing, uh, the American President. Um, God, what else has he he's written? Like every a uh, few good men, things I've recognized but haven't seen. Okay, uh, yeah. gotcha. So big name, the wordsmith of our age. Sure, gotcha. In terms of TV and and cinema, and then the guy who loves feet was also Quentin Tarantino, who's like the the foot guy, lover of classic cinema, and yeah. I don't know what the foot thing is about. Is that a thing? Oh yeah, he's like oh he's he, obsessed with feet. Yeah, he has like a, a well established foot fetish, and oh, okay. whenever. He, well, I wouldn't just say whenever he's in a movie, but a lot of times when he is a movie, he includes a scene with interesting for specifically okay. for that. It's like well documented. That uh, sure, is not me sure, sure. coming up with a sketchy theory. I'm I am so, I love Tarantino movies, but I know surprisingly little about him. That's for the best. I think so. Nick Cage mm-hmm. improvised and ad libbed most of his di- dialogue and came up with the idea that Stanley Goodspeed would not swear until he's like gone through shit. Yeah. Um. I 100% believe all that. Yeah. Ed Harris worked closely with Michael Bay and uh, Don Simpson on the character of Hummel. Uh, Harris and uh, Simpson came up with the with the idea of giving him this sympathetic edge after seeing an interview with retired General Hackworth on 60, 60 Minutes talking about the cause that Hummel's championing in the movie mm-hmm. that like American soldiers who die on covert operations do not get compensation or recognition. That's mm-hmm. like a travesty. So like that, so Harris, uh, Harris and Simpson and, and Michael Bay, like really continue to work on this character with, with Ed Harris. You know, they, they all say, most of them say Don Simpson dead. We'll get there. Um, contributing like Ed Harris was, was fundamental in that. Okay. The Writers Guild of America refused to give credit to Sorkin, Tarantino, Tarantino, Hensley, Clement, and Lafranus on screen, saying that they had not contributed at least 50% of the content to the script. 
which Michael Bay blasted the guild for, and he did not submit any of his movies for writing credits to the guild after that. Mm. Um, so that might also be why where there's a certain uh, stigma around Michael Bay movies. Interesting. Um, so he was like, that's bullshit. This is a travesty. Like, the spec script was garbage. Mm-hmm. This movie is fantastic, and there why. Yeah. So, so the only member of, like, the team that got writing credit was Mark Ronson. I mean, we see the irony in that this movie is about a group of people not, who are not yes. being credited yes. for what they did. Um, and then it happens in real life, albeit in two different arenas. But Right. Okay. There you have it. Disney was worried about the subject matter of the script, the level of violence, and the budget. And director Michael Bay, as he only had one credit under yep. under him at that point. They thought they were getting Tony Scott, who's like the golden goose. Can you can long-term listeners, can you imagine a time in which Disney worried about the budget? That that tells That's, you how long ago yeah. this is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh so they, this is produced under Buena Vista Entertainment, which mm-hmm. is just anything Disney kicks a movie to if they're unsure if it's gonna make money. Yep. They repeatedly called Michael Bay to meetings throughout the process for for me for like kind of uh, trying to like cajole him to stay on budget that you know giving him notes in the script and monkeying to which Sean Connery got wind of and one day when Mark, when um Michael Bay was going to one of these meetings Sean Connery shows up in golfing attire which okay. was weird mm-hmm. uh which I'll get to later why it was weird and asks to go to the meeting with Michael Bay Michael Bay walks in Sean Connery walks in behind him, mm-hmm. and uh, a, a Disney executive tells the story from here, who's no longer with the company. We were all thrown off. We were all thrown so far off our game when Connery entered and immediately started berating us. Quote, this boy, <clears throat> this boy is doing good work, and you're, you're living here in your Disney fucking ivory tower, and we need more fucking money. Now live him alone. Ladies quote, and gentlemen. End quote. Mr. Sean Connery. That was the last meeting with Disney. Mm-hmm. They got a bigger budget, mm-hmm. and there were no more notes from Disney. Sean Connery, ladies and gentlemen. Connery referred to the 30-year-old Michael Bay as boy for the rest of the production. Nice. <laughs> that tracks. Um, We're pushing 40, and I would expect Sean Connery to call, call me boy. boy. Yeah. yeah. Sean Connery, 65 at that time. Yeah. Uh, all reported that it was a difficult but rewarding shoot process due to the number of practical effects and filming on location in San Francisco and Alcatraz. Uh, Alcatraz was a functional national park at the time, so the American government says you can't shut it down because it's a bird sanctuary. Mm -hmm. So they could not stop tours. They could not shut down areas of the island. And shooting that car chase in San Francisco... Michael Bay says it was the worst experience of his filmmaking career. Wow. Good car chase, though. It is a good car chase. Uh, This is the only Michael Bay movie to have a certified fresh rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Really? Yes. It's got a... Yeah, we'll get to that. We'll get there. Don Simpson died of an overdose, uh, heart failure due to overdose before filming had even begun. And the crew and Jerry Brockheimer hid it from Michael Bay. Oh, Wow. Um, they eventually broke the news to him near the end of the production run. And the quote, Sean Connery was was nearby uh, overhearing the news, said, quote, not surprising due to the legendary reputation of drug use. Wow. The plot, this one, bl- this one broke me. I had to tell Sketch before 
Oh, yeah. Before recording, because I didn't want to drop this yeah, on sketch one. in in studio. Buckle up. Uh, the plot to The Rock inspired incorrect descriptions of Iraq's alleged chemical weapons program, which led to the U.S., U.K., and Poland invasion of Iraq in 2003. We're talking real world. Real world. Yeah. So the invasion of Iraq in 2003, the Iraq War, which lasted close to 20 years, was inspired by the plot of this movie, in which a British MI6 agent alleged intelligence reports, which turned out to be lies. Well, It's well documented. I had never heard this before, but apparently it's very well documented um, that, quote, chemical nerve agents in glass beads in a concentric connected uh, the, the description of the chemical weapons in this movie. Mm -hmm. It's um, like a Mardi Gras necklace. Yeah, of glass beads with chemical agents inside of them were were documented in Iraq. Once the information was made public, outrage ensued. David Weisenberg uh, remarked, quote, if you just asked a chemical weapons expert, it would have immediately been obvious this was so ludicrous because they purposely talked, they talked to chemical weapons experts mm -hmm. And they purposely constructed a method of delivery that was so ludicrous and outrageous. If someone reported it, or it would be immediately debunked as fictitious because, as you can imagine, glass is not a delivery method for a chemical agent that you would like. It just cracks on its own mm -hmm. in certain consistent. You know, this is it was so ludicrous. No one would ever believe it. Uh, but that is what the invade and, and by the time it came out, this is how this gives you a sense of how quickly the invasion of Iraq happened. By the time the information was able to be vetted, there were already troops on the ground in, Af in Iraq and the country had already been destabilized. So there was no going back. Wow. That is Cocoa bananas. Cocoa bananas. It's, I mean, it's outrageous. Yeah. I've already, I, and I have gone to multiple sources to like, this can't be true. This is just like the internet being the internet. And this is 100% well documented at this point. And it's also why in news reports, people stopped talking about what quote unquote weapons of mass destruction are mm -hmm. and why they just started using the abbreviation WMD because mm -hmm. they could substitute anything that they were looking for sure. at that point. Sure. The chemical weapons having been established to be bullshit yes. immediately. Hollywood. It is. It is. It is egregious and downright criminal. That's too much fake world in our real world. It, uh, yeah. We don't normally go that way. We don't. We don't usually go that way. But I think this is the perfect case of too much, too much fake world in our real world. But to me, that's also like an indication of how fucking good this movie is. Yeah. That it was a like, it, oh, it's plausible. It's 100% oh, plausible. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's not a it's not a um, rave I wrote down, but so I'll say it now. But it yeah, it's 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 high stakes, but it's it's like a small, contained, right. believable. You're gonna lose. You're gonna lose San Francisco. Yeah. Like, oh shit! Yeah, that's a lot of people. But remember it's San Francisco. When, remember when we used to just lose cities and everything wasn't worlds and cosmic and multiverses, and right? Galaxies. Yep. Used to just be a city was a big loss. And used to be used to be just a drop in the bucket now. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Sketch. Um, that's the end of the history. We got through it. All right. Let me ask you this question. Sure. Um, it's not a BQ and I meant to ask it towards the top, but 
Have you been to San Francisco? I have only spent uh, a layover in San Francisco, okay. so I've never left the airport. Okay. I have a very good friend that lives in the Bay Area. So then um, that answers my follow-up question, if you've ever been to Alcatraz. I, I haven't. I, have I took also, a virtual tour. I have not been to The Rock uh, myself either. Blue Again, my wife loves this movie. Yeah. So when I spent the day in San Francisco a couple years ago, and she was like, you didn't go to Alcatraz? Oh. I was like, no, I, that wasn't on the hit parade. Wow. I would have gone to Alcatraz. I've always wanted to go to Alcatraz. I was like, wow, okay. I mean, it is one of those things that lives in my imagination, and I, yeah. I would like to go. And I, It's one of those things where I'm like, will it live up to the idea of the rock that I've built in my head? Yeah. That's what I think about before every single Dwayne Johnson movie. That's, yeah. That's exactly what I, I say. I think that's myself. fair. Um, I did see it from the shore because I was at the pier. Yeah. And so I was like, I was aware that Alcatraz it's, was it's there. It's crazy how close it is to yeah. the, the mainland. Yeah. When you think about this was supposed to house yeah, the most. The worst. The worst the worst, of the, of the worst. worst. And it's really just the current that puts the distance between. Right. And the sharks. Yeah. So, the current um, and the, sh- the sharks. So, um, yeah. So, I've never Gosh, been so sorry. You're a much younger man when I go on this channel. Sorry, honey. Um, yeah. But we'll, we'll get there. We'll, yeah. God, honey, we'll get there. Field trip. We'll get, we'll get to the actual. Sketch. Yeah. How much do you think it cost? How much do you think it made? You know, I still hate this. And, and I just want to say, like, we put so much worth on how much a movie makes these days. I, I don't think that, to me, I'm intrigued by this, by, like, movies that have huge budgets that don't make a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Like, what what did they think? What do you think that? What, did you, you me what do you think that, that number is going to do when you, like, throw a huge budget at something? Like, that doesn't, money doesn't make a better movie make. You know what I mean? It doesn't necessarily. And how much it grosses is not the sign of a good movie. I'm just always intrigued that like the the correlation of the numbers seem to have nothing to do with how a movie plays. Okay. Spending more money doesn't play. But I think we place way too much emphasis on how much a movie makes now to the point where things don't even get made anymore. 100. The budget. Yeah. Okay. 100 million. Oh, yeah. Or $100. You're going to go with $100? 100,000. Right, right in the middle, except not in the middle at all. 100 million. Okay. That's a good guess. How much do you think it made? Oh, you're not going to give me the answer on that first? Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it cost, the budget was $74 million. In the ballpark. Yeah. That was a in great the guess. ballpark. How much do you think it made? Um, I do have memories of it in theaters. Mm-hmm. Don't know anyone at the time who saw it. Um... I will say a success. Ooh, Sean Connery's in it, though. Um, I will say a success, but they wouldn't consider it a success. I'll go with $165 million. It's a good guess. I'm going to give you some information. Okay. And and let you re reconfigure oh, your numbers. God. Just just. It was the, the fourth highest grossing movie oh, wow. of 1996 behind Independence Day, oh, wow. Twister, and the first Mission Impossible. Twister. Wow. Wow. 96 was a big year for my wife as far as movies I have go. a friend that insists all good like all good movies come from 1996. Yeah. And that's kind of skewed because it's like a person of a certain age, mm-hmm. but like 1996 being the golden year of yeah. like Hollywood Hollywood movies. 273 million. It's a better guess, but too, still too low. Still too low. Third and final? Um do we cross the 300 mark? We do. Three hundred mm-hmm. and 
$42 million. That's a great guess, Sketch. $335.1 million. On a $74 million budget. And to me, this is proof positive that money has nothing to do with the quality of the movie and how much it makes at the box office. Yeah. This is such a low budget movie for the amount of like on location shooting. Mm-hmm. The you have the best actor. Yeah. Of of the previous year. So like he's just gotten best actor and signs on to this in 95 mm-hmm. and this movie comes out in 96. So he is the best actor in cinema mm-hmm. according to the the Academy of Arts Sciences and Motion Picture. Mhm. Mm-hmm. Sean Connery. Sean Connery. Knight legend James Bond. Yeah. Or Ramirez from Highlander, depending on... Pick, pick. Pick. Um, Father Jones. Father... Henry Jones Sr. Yeah. Ed Harris. Ed Harris, ladies and gentlemen. I mean... Dr. Cox 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 is here, too. is here. I texted you. I was like, oh, Dr. Cox. It's tough to see Dr. Cox as a a villain. Yeah. Yeah. this is a who's who, $74 million budget. Yeah. That's, that's nothing. It's a drop in the bucket for an action movie in this era with the number of practical, just, just the car chase alone. Yeah. No, we're, we're definitely, I, we're definitely in that point now in entertainment where big, big money doesn't equate what people want to see. Right. I mean, think of all of the independent content creators out there and how much people are just watching them. Yeah. Without giant budgets. Right. It's got to have Hollywood a little shaken. I would imagine so. Because a lot of that money does go to very specific Hollywood jobs. Correct. And you do know that the first to go or the first to get hit are the people making the least. Right. Um, anyway, this is neither here nor there. But uh, I yeah. just, that, that is my reason for including these numbers. Not because it made so much money. It's a great movie. Because like I love when we get like something with an embarrassingly low budget. Mm-hmm. And then it, it just performs so well. Because or, the, it, or the flop. I mean the the flip flop of that. I, I like, do. Yeah. I love when they spend a shit ton of money. Yeah, and it's so objectively bad. And what I don't like is people look at the opening weekend gross, mm-hmm. completely independent of like was 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 there like a, a hurricane that weekend? Was there a natural disaster? Perhaps a pandemic. A, a pandemic. A totally unconnected. Yep. Out of context yeah, yeah. from what's happening yeah. on the ground look where at these, in a vacuum, how many theaters it's yeah. released in. Yeah. And like, oh, it made this in its opening. It's a flop. And yeah. then nobody goes and sees it yeah. because Rotten Tomatoes, fuck you, is like, oh, fuck you. Uh-huh. Uh, fuck you. Rotten Tomatoes, is, Ooh, we give it a 30 because nobody went and see it. And it only made like $7 million in its first weekend. Oh, this is a perfect segue into... All important internet scores. All important internet scores. And I don't even like including these anymore. Guys, just know we're saying all important. Very, very Very sarcastically. I don't give a shit what Rotten Tomatoes thinks of a movie. If I see it and I like it, I don't don't care if it has like a 20% rating. We're just giving you a context for our scores. Exactly. Because that's that's what you're listening for. So stop writing in. Stop tying notes to bricks and throwing them through Shays' window. Yeah. Come on. I'm running out of windows. Yep. We're just, we're just. I think it's Big Window who's doing it, actually. They, they got you. <laughs> Giant glass. They got you by the short hairs. All right. All right. All important internet scores. And I'm starting, I'm starting now with Google. Yeah, because they're, because they're, you don't write a Google review if you hate something. No, you don't. 86% of Google reviewers love The Rock. 
IMDb gave it a 7.6. Rotten Tomatoes gives it a 68. Mm. Fuck you, Metacritic. Did you say Metacritic? I or didn't. Is, okay, that's fine then. Fuck you, Metacritic. Just because fuck you. Yeah. That's why. And I gave it an 87. Wow, you gave it an 87? I did. Oh, I thought you were going to go higher than that. I thought about it, but it, it, there were some structural things that felt a little clunky. I started at a 92 and I worked my way back to an 87. Yeah, see, I had, a, I had, a, um, I had an opposite reaction where I thought I was going to go lower. And then as I was thinking about raves and stuff, I was like, oh, I'm going to put this higher. So I'm at a 91. Wow. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Enjoyed it. Takes place in the 90s. So it has to be. In the, no, I'm just kidding. That's, that's not that's not part of this. Um, But um, yeah, I started in 92 and I worked backwards. Very enjoyable. Rants. Very enjoyable. All right. I think that brings us to rants and raves. Rants and raves. Um, should I should I start with start raves so that you can finish us off? Yeah, I got to finish there. us off because guys, spoiler alert for this episode, but I have a rave that's going to turn into a rant. And that's it's one of those one of those coins, you know, two sides to this one. Okay, my first rave. The cast. No, oh, no. Cage and Connery and Harris. Yeah. Holy shit. The yeah. chemistry between Nicolas Cage and Sean Connery yeah. is so good. No, really. It's so good. I can't believe that they didn't go on to, like, do this pairing oh, across sure. cinema. I know. I cannot believe. They have such good chemistry together. Yeah. And I couldn't find anything that was like, oh, Sean Connery hated Nicolas Cage and Nick Cage couldn't stand Sean Connery and, like, they everyone appears to have had a great time making this movie. Mm. Um and and Ed Ed Harris is just he like chews some scenery in this yeah. movie, which it, it's a good script to begin with, but like just like Ed Harris, like facial expression or like no, he's, he he's talking to no one on the other end of a phone. Yeah, no, he's 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 bringing it up. He he's really it. is. Um You're taking all my raves. Sorry. So, yeah. so I'll I'll just you if you want to piggyback off of that, go for it. Well, I'll piggyback with um with yeah with nick and sean uh, one of the things i like about them is how surprising the pairing is mm. like not i would not have expected for On them the to surface, work so this well is bonk yeah like, this should this, this should shouldn't not have, yeah. work um but it does and i and i said that because each one of them can be um like super serious and compelling right you know it, depending on what the the situation calls for in the, in the scene but also the other one can be, or both of them right. can be the light one the very human one yes. the very like you have an emotional connection to them and they just they bounce back and forth so naturally in this movie of like okay this scene requires Mason to be the heavy right. and Nick is going to just naturally kind of Let's bring Just a little lightness to yeah. this. And then then it can flip. And they're both in this movie so good at both of those jobs. Right. That it, it works across the board Strong from agree. beginning of the movie to the end of the movie. And I and I also like how both of their stories are very um, you know, in a lot of ways. They're both sympathetic characters. They're both sympathetic characters. They're both like at different points in their life, but they're they're both at the, like the same point in fatherhood, right? Where like they have this child now, new all fa- of a sudden, new fathers. yeah. And um, and there's just so much of like Nick Cage could be looking at an older version of himself, absolutely, and Mason could be looking at a younger version. You know, like there's just right. so much of that where you would think that these two characters are polar opposites. The movie does such a great job of like, all right, let's just strip away like all their titles and their deeds and what they've done. Let's just look at who these two men are, and that's why. Right. This is going to work. Not just the movie, but like the plot of the they're, movie. They're at the at the core of the movie. They're they're two fathers trying to save their kids. Yep. 
and it, like it's an incre- it's reduced down to like this very human mm-hmm. personal we can't fail mm-hmm. that's great it is and there's like there's a movie with there's a moment in the movie which doesn't seem to work where like mason's like fuck it i'm done i'm out of here i'm leaving yeah and in the back of your mind you're like you can't leave because they're gonna fire the rocket yeah and he's his not daughter's gonna, he's not he, the daughter's gonna, and but stanley had to believe that mason was gone in order for it to work yep. mm-hmm. it it's, it's a great like it doesn't seem to play it doesn't play as well i think it's the editing mm-hmm. but if mason doesn't do that Stanley doesn't do the thing. He relies on man- Mason, and Stanley had to go and do the thing so that Mason could be his support team. Mm-hmm. Mason couldn't defuse the bomb. Only yep. Stanley could def- like defuse yep. the last rocket. Mason couldn't do it. That is one of those instances in this movie that are in all movies where, okay, this has to happen for the movie to right. continue, but right, it doesn't right. flow as well plot-wise or character-wise. But but in like once it plays out, then it you're works like, oh, much okay. better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. Yep. It is your rave. Um... I'm going to go with the two opening establishing scenes. Okay. Right? So you have um, Ed Harris's scene. Yes. Where they're kind of like storming, um, but not non-fatal. Right. Uh, Nobody dies. Nobody dies. One guy except gets, for one guy. One guy gets thrown off of like a second story. He's okay. A second story uh, yeah. staircase. Something. Onto cement head first, but he's, he's okay. okay. It, this is like he's paralyzed but it's he's a, alive. yeah it's like comic it's like comic morals were like well they're not dead right. so it's okay it's okay um that so anyways non paralyzed for life non-lethal force um stealing these these uh missiles you know the, this chemical weapon they steal the weapons they're not missiles they, i don't they never say where they get the missiles from they okay. just steal so they the steal they steal the chem- they they steal yeah. the chemical agent one guy dies one guy dies one which men. which is necessary because right. it establishes how dangerous you this gotta, thing yeah. is and it, so it is plot wise it's necessary you but, spasm so hard you break your own back while you're coughing up your intestines and your skin melts off yeah that so whole cut me some friggin slack a-hole um improvised i'm not i'm improvised not, i'm not surprised at in all. the moment improvised so that um that opening scene with ed harris perfectly lays out everything you need to know about ed yes. harris Minus his motivation, which naturally comes across later, which right. is like great storytelling. Fine with that. So I love that scene. And then directly after that, you have the Nick Cage introductory scene where you're introduced to not only him, but his his job, his background, his history right. and his um, his uh, his character under pressure, which yes. the rest of this movie, he's going to be under pressure. If you didn't have that scene. You'd be like, I eat pressure for breakfast. Yeah. You'd be like, what? what? This guy can't do any. This guy. Right. He's such a slacker. He's such a silly willy. Like, we're all dead. But you have that scene that perfectly encapsulates like, wow, this is when the intellect takes over. Yes. And, you know, maybe it's it's the adrenaline going to the brain instead of the muscles. And just he's saving the day. Um, Got a chemistry set when I was when I was seven. Loved it. Burned my eyebrows off. Didn't see the cat. Improvised? Yeah, improvised. Okay. Um, Never saw the cat again. Those two scenes, back to back to each other, is like perfect exposition for me, for that, the rest of the That Nicolas Cage scene, followed by a shot of Nicolas Cage in a chair, naked, Yeah, playing a guitar that is plugged in, Yeah, that he does not know how to play. He's just plucking the strings. Yeah, that's your rave. The naked Nicolas Cage. Mine ends right One, before he gets 100% naked. the creation of Nicolas Cage. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Bat shit crazy. Yeah, yeah. Nicol- insisted on, does not, Nicolas Cage, Clearly does not know how to play the guitar. Sure. 
Uh, As someone who doesn't know how to play the guitar, it was believable plug, enough for me because nope. I don't know how to play the not guitar. Not fretting so he was, he was any, any notes, just literally plucking strings yeah. on an electric guitar that's plugged in. Cannot play the guitar. Yeah, I mean, I didn't think he was like playing a song. I just thought he was like mindlessly doing something that brings him comfort because he almost died. Yeah, no. But again, I don't play guitar. So it was, it was you know, it was enough for me. That that whole sequence starts with him getting like a vintage Beatles yeah. vinyl, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That he's been searching for. And he's for hiding like, from from his girlfriend because yeah. it's cost way too much. Um, they don't but you know what? I'm going to give you this one frustrating you because we have a property coming up that I yeah. need to talk about something that frustrates me, which probably doesn't frustrate a whole lot of people. Probably not. Um, so yeah, those those two exposition scenes are just like on tier of like excellence for like, this is how you start a movie and how you explain the stakes, the characters, and the pacing of this movie moving forward without like just exposition. Yeah. Okay. Um, I 100% agree with that. I will say the action sequences are fantastic. They are nuanced. They move the plot along. Um, specifically, Womack going over the ledge. John Spencer is thrown oh, over the ledge of a building and, and it's just like held on with a, a clothesline. Yep, on his wrist. Yep, On his wrist. That was a real shot mm-hmm. done practically. Uh, it terrified the people on the street in the hotel so much there were over three dozen calls to San Francisco police, okay. not knowing that a movie was being shot. Yeah, that's uh, the car chase. Car chase is great. Michael Bay is known for a car chase, and this is a great one. And it's not it's not just a car chase for the sake of a car chase. It's not just like a bad guy trying to get Mason is trying to get to his daughter mm-hmm. there. Like there's a purpose and he's and he's already set up a meet with his daughter and he has to get there. And do that, he's got to get away from the FBI. Yep. Um, the shower ambush. The sh- oh, yeah. When they yeah. come ashore yep. in Alcatraz and they yep. go up through the shower. That's tough. That's tough to watch. It's tough to watch, but it's done so well. Yeah, it's tough to watch because it is done well. I don't mean that like, oh, this is bad. I don't want to watch that, it. That scene is copied. The sequence in its entirety is copied in Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2. Oh, well identically it's a shot for shot recreation in in this they've just like mapped it taken it right out of the movie and used it <laughs> um the bomb strike mm. that practical effect is like in i don't know how they did that on alcatraz with it being a bird sanctuary and they couldn't close it they either. could not close mm-hmm. Alcatraz. i don't know how they did that but they did it it looks great um nothing with the exception of one nothing in the movie just explodes for explosion's sake Except for one, and I do mark it as a rant. Okay, I'm uh, excited to will, hear that because I can't think will of it right bring now. But... Me, it does bring me to rants. Should I just say it now? Because it's not a big rant, um, but it is a rant. Okay, go ahead say it. Uh, there is one thing that explodes. Uh, in the car chase, the yeah. trolley car oh, yeah. comes off of the, ca- <laughs> well, the cable car, comes yeah, yeah. off the cable, yeah. slides into a car, yeah. and the car explodes. Yeah. And that felt like a Disney note to me mm-hmm. because it was so bad and so like not connected to anything. Mm-hmm. It, and it's clearly on a crane. It explodes and it is like lifted into the air, like a la magic carpet and mm-hmm. comes down on its side. But the, you know, with the exception of maybe some paint, the trolley isn't really damaged. Yeah, it's fine. just a wood cable car. Mm-hmm. It should have like when it hit the ground, it should have just splintered into Start, a million yeah, pieces. Shattering. It falls on its side and just like slides, slides forever. forever. Yeah. Um. So there's like that one car just randomly explodes. Everything else in the movie, like n- nothing else does that. No. And I thought it was very like that's 
you say what you want about Michael Bay. He loves an explosion. He does. Like everything. There was a, a Verizon commercial when yes, we were was. in college where like that was the whole thing. It was like epic grilling, epic robot, epic pool. And like he had a button and everything just exploded. Yeah. Um, he knows how to like execute an explosion. And that was like the one exception. So all of the action scenes and that's part of the car chase sequence. So like it wasn't it's a rant, but it's not like a big rant. Yeah. It felt like a note that yeah. like they wanted more explosions. Um, Do you believe he had to give that note to Michael Bay at some point in his career? Yeah, I know, right? None of explosions, um, Michael. So I just, I was just thoroughly entertained. Where like that's what I'm saying. It's all a very the action sequences are so are nuanced and f- push the plot forward. Yeah. Like every room that they they've been pushed into every, mm-hmm. they're never like making their plan. Like now we're going to do this. Now we're going to like they're always reacting based on the environmental and like the moments of what is happening on the island to them. They're always reacting. Yeah. And, and like, and that's the movie pushing them along. Yeah, yeah. That shower scene is super emotionally charged. It is too. so tense, so tense. It's it's absolutely when you said, "Let's do the rock." That's the scene that like, uh, like I heard the name the rock, and I that's exactly what I thought of first was that shower scene. That like yeah. that sticks. It does that sticks in your memory. All right, I got one last rave. Um, and this is my rave that's going to go into a rant. Okay. So let's start. You're on done th- with your raves? Yeah. Can oh, I, do... I thought you said you were Nope. You were launching I was done with rants. that. Uh... Oh, it just was go- It was yeah. also tied to a rant. Yep. Can I just give my last rave then? Sure. I have I have two, two quick ones. Uh, I just raves. want to say the cinematography. John Schwartzman's the cinematographer. Alcatraz is a character. Today, this movie would have all been done on green screen in Atlanta. Yeah. And um, so kudos to Michael Bay for insisting that it be shot on location in Alcatraz and to uh, to um, to uh, Schwartz Schwartzman for capturing the rock and, and really making it a character in this movie. It's, it's, it's just so fun and it's like works so well. Yeah. My very last rave. OK. Mason is James Bond. Mason is James Bond. John Mason. Yeah. Is James Bond. OK. Even the name, like John Mason. Yeah. James Bond. Oh. Get it? I get it now. Now that he you is, say it out loud. He's like James that. Bond. Yeah. All right. So yeah. that that is a rave for me. And That's then it, yeah. My first rant is he's James Bond. Okay. That's fair. That's fair. Okay. So my 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 last rave is is all about Ed Harris and his villain. And uh, what's his name? Hummel. Hummel. General Hummel. Hummel. General Hummel. Infamous hot dog peddler and military. <laughs> Right? It's the same Hummel. There's, yes. a, there's a brand of hot dogs called Hummel? Hummel Brothers, yeah. Oh, well, I mean, well, you know, Doodle is a hot dog aficionado. He is. So and I, I imagine and I, you have a lot of experience And with I have dogs. a friend who is the pinnacle of hot dog aficionado. Okay, so, so I guess, yes, um, he's one half of the Hummel Brothers. Yeah, so that's my rave, that he's one half of the Hummel Brothers. Okay. And it's nice to see Big Hot Dog finally make it into a movie. Um, that isn't Oscar Mayer, because that's... <laughs> Anywho, off my hot dog pedestal for a second. But interesting, also interestingly, also German. Hummel is that Hummel is also German, right? Sounds like a German name, but I don't, yeah, I, don't, I, I I'm not willing to stake my big hot dog in the it. pocket of Germany. Yep, um, it's, uh, well publicized and documented. Today's episode brought to you by Big Hot Dog. Big Hot Dog. Hummel Hummel Brothers Hot Dogs. Big Hot Dog. Good to the last bite. The only the only replacement for me in my house is a big hot dog. We <laughs> learned that today. Um. And guys, that one's just for us. You yeah. don't need to know. <laughs> that is a, any. That is the definition of an inside joke, but an adorable um, one. Um. 
Okay, so Ed Harris's villain is just so good. Like, yeah. he is as good as the pairing of Nick and Sean yes. in this movie. He is, like, calculating and he's commanding, but he's not cold. No. Like, you're so used to that character of, like, this is an emotionless, almost, like, robot of a character who doesn't care about anything. It almost might... I was watching this and saying to myself, like, it almost would have worked better if he was playing the man in black from Westworld. Oh, yeah. That would have, like, been more believable with oh, the group that, of... That is Ed Harris, That is Harris. It? Yeah, it's Ed Harris. Wow. Amazing. Yeah. He he played Mr. Potter in the uh, the the staged reading of A Christmas Carol for oh. the uh, Ed Asner Foundation. Oh, that's this year. Cool. It was fantastic. Yeah. He's and he looked guy. like he was like in a, a man in black's cabin with a fire in the background. It was very like, nice. Oh, Ed Harris. You're yeah. just like a down to earth guy. I'm Ed Harris. Today's episode, today's episode brought to you by Ed Harris. And Big Hot Dog. And Big Hot Dog. Um so yeah, so like he's driven by emotion and duty and honor, and like I'm all on board. You totally sympathize with them. Sure. Carries the plot of this movie all the way forward. Yes. Right? Now, now I have to get into where that turns into turns a rant. Into, because, I have a Hummel rant, too, because so I'm going to piggyback on this. It, then it bites you. Because I, I 100% absolutely agree that his character needed to die when and how he does. Okay. Where his men turn, he, on, him. Know, turn on him because... His he never had any intention. He never had of, any intention of killing, of actually humans, harming yeah. innocent people, and he he had the full belief that the government was going to give him pay demands, and um, nothing would come out of this except for righting a wrong, right? And everyone would, you know, the, the biggest sacrifice anyone was going to have to make was they never get to never get set to be foot on America. American soil again. So when he comes to that realization that like shit. Right. We're done. We're done now. Yep. They beat us. Blah, 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 blah. And so his men turn on him, and then they got the shootout, and he dies that way, kind of regretting everything. Right. I agree. Had to been done for his character to stay true to his character. But then, and this is why it offends me as Sketch, it takes away comeuppance. Because now you've replaced, for the big action climax of the movie, you have two bad guys left. Well, more or less, yeah. But, like... Two main bad guys. Two main big deaths are coming yes, up yeah, here. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. And they are Nobody's, nameless characters. Yeah. They are one-dimensional. They just want to be paid. Right. They're, like, they're like bloodthirsty and need their money. Right. And, like, that's all it is. And so, again, awesome Ed Harris. I don't... You couldn't have done his death any differently. But then, it's like I needed these characters to get a little injection of some sort of character development or something so that when they right. died, it wasn't just a cool death. It was like, ha ha, fuck you. <laughs> like, you got shot out of a window with a rocket. You, you, you and, like, you know, you like Elton John? You know that song, Rotten, Rocket Man? It's I, you. I You're love the that Man. scene. That is because the actor is like, what the fuck what are you talking the about? Fuck it. That is not in the script. And they like leave it in because and it's just he the is, actor being like, he is so what? confused. Yes. And then he gets shot out a window. Love it. And that's why <laughs> the theme of this episode is Rockman. Um, and then the other guy who gets the ball like smashed into his mouth. Oh, then, yeah. Like, that was kind of comeuppance. I mean, it was it was comeuppance. But it was not. Yeah. Ed Harris needed the comeuppance. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But he was like too sympathetic to get the come up, and right. so it's it's the classic come come up in conundrum that I like to say. Well, I mean, I I will 
I will agree with you that the movie it feels like it's missing something. Yeah. I don't agree that Ed Harris needed comeuppance, but I, he, to me, what the movie is just lacking because Ed Harris is just missing from the last like almost forty minutes of the movie. Yeah, and, and, it, and I and thought I'm it was not... like I thought there were like fifteen minutes left when he dies. I'm like, oh, there's like almost half the movie left. I'm not saying that he his character needed comeuppance because I think he did get his. I mean, his, right. he got appropriate comeuppance in that he died. By by the hands of his men, right? With regret, right? That is the fitting end to that character. Correct. But then, but like you're saying, later, like you're saying, then there's a lot left. Yeah, and it's carried by one dimensional, one dimensional yeah. goons who, and there, those two aren't even at the heist at the beginning of the movie. They, right. join, they join later. They have the least amount. There's never any. There aren't enough bad guys left at that point that right. you're ever in doubt that mason and goodspeed are gonna fail yeah and the and the brain behind this thing is now dead yeah as soon as they kill him right you're like we won we won we won the day right like they're gonna they're gonna figure this yeah. out it's just like, and now it's just watching to see them win right i i would say that hum, one of two things needed to happen hummel needed something needed to happen where hum, hummel like changes mm-hmm. and it was like fuck it i just want the money yeah and 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 fights them to the very end mm-hmm. Or Hummel needed to join them, yeah. and more of the goons needed to be left on. They needed to have more goons on the island, mm-hmm. and Hummel needed to join them mm-hmm. to like create the strategy, yeah. so that Stanley can get to the yep. rocket. Yep, and that that would have felt more gratifying because the the I one hundred percent agree. The movie is. I think we're saying the same thing. The movie is lacking mm-hmm. because of the absence of Ed Harris mm-hmm. for the remainder of the film. Yep. Cool. Um, I have a, so I, my next, I will go to this one. Hummel is so in control and with it that there's never a minute that I believe he would have rolled up with this crew. Mm. I like clearly that his subordinate put the crew together mm-hmm. and he's so like plant every facet of this. Really? The only variable in this situation is not Mason and good speed and how the government american government will react it's the unpredictability of the soldiers that he's rolling with yeah and to me this character just would not have have done would not have he would have hand picked every single person on this team like he did for getting the chemicals correct because the you're absolutely right the people who got the chemicals are not the people who showed up on the island right they're it's a different they they do have that small scene where those two show up and 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 Hummel's like, oh, you know, so and so vast for you. That's good. Right. For, that's good for me. And it's like, yeah, th- that wouldn't be good for this no. character. No, yeah. I, I will. No, you will never convince me of yeah. that. Yep. Um, is it your rant or my rant? I piggybacked on your, yeah, your that, rant. Okay. Um, my first rant, Carla. Okay. Stanley Goodspeed's girlfriend. Mm-hmm. There is one part for a female character in this movie. There is. Um, and saying that she's two dimensional feels over generous. Oh, wait, there's Mason's daughter as well. That's, that's fair. But I mean, we get like 10 seconds with her. Oh yeah. I'm not saying it's a, uh, but I'm just saying before I the mean, internet writes in. Sure. There's okay. A there's a second character part for a speaking for a woman. Uh, and there's a third part for a woman who I think all she says is, are you good? Oh yeah. Her friend, her friend who yeah. leaves shows up and then immediately leaves. Yeah. Okay. So there is a second small part for Mason's daughter. I mm-hmm. take it back, but like a, a principal character, mm-hmm. one principal character, main part for, for in this movie, Carla and saying that she's two, two dimensional feels over generous. The depiction 
and attitudes towards women in this movie are uh, are egregious and borderline criminal. Mm-hmm. Uh, Carla, like her sole motivation is shopping mm-hmm. and being a mother and getting and getting married. And, getting married. Mm-hmm. and it, it's when when your movie is that sparse, mm-hmm. you need to do better. Mm-hmm. And I think that's indicative of the team of writers. Mm-hmm. Like, just knowing that Quentin Tarantino worked on this movie, with the exception of Kill Bill, he has not really been, he does not really write women. Yeah, I I only know of his foot fetish. I don't know much of his women, of his character, like his movies. Right. I've seen Pulp Fiction. It's usually and like I, an oh, ensemble I have, of I have grizzled. Seen King, um, Kill Bill. I have seen Kill Bill. Once. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is fantastic, yeah, um, in which a fictionalized version of Sharon Tate is in the movie. Mm-hmm. And though she is the main character of the movie, it feels like strikingly empty. Interesting. Uh, so he does not he doesn't do like women mm-hmm. justice in his movies. It's like a criticism. I think, of him. I think the movie I watched for Halloween this year was a Quentin Tarantino movie. Dust Till Dawn. Yes. Which he's in. Which he's in. With George Clooney. Yes. Selma Hayek. Holy yeah. shit. There's a foot fetish scene for you. Don't oh, you remember yeah. that? Oh, right, um, right, right. Yeah. Wow. Okay. When you when you say it and you put them together now, then you're like, oh. Boy, light, yeah. light spoilers for that movie. What a turn. Yes. What a turn in that movie. Yeah. Unexpected. Yeah. I knew nothing going into that movie. Halfway through the movie, I was like, I get this movie. I'm yeah. in. I'm involved. Yeah. What the, what fuck, the fuck just is happened? going on? Yeah. Yeah, crazy. Uh, that feels like a, a a movie that's very much like in vain of Demon Knight, mm. but not not as well constructed. Mm. Mm. I much prefer the first half of that movie to the second. Oh yeah, half. yep. The bank robber brothers. I wanted to see that finish out. Uh, Tarantino got George Clooney for that movie. He was like, "I'm going to make you an action star." Yeah, that was his pitch. Did he? I mean, yeah, yes. Okay. I mean, Clooney did, like did action movies. Tarantino's character that. in that movie. I'm going to make you look really cool. Was scarier than anything else in that movie. Yeah. All right, all right. This anyway, is not the not, whatever not the that movie name. So like. yeah, the 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 depiction and treatment of women in the, for a movie that's so good otherwise. It's very good otherwise. It just felt it felt like a a bleeding wound mm-hmm. from a from a fatal gunshot. Yeah. Yeah. Would you, mm, yeah no yeah I get what you're saying. I hear and, you. And there, um, I mean, like Carla just spends the back half of the movie like just like sniveling into a tissue. Oh yeah, she's just. She I don't even. Is, uh, what is Mason's daughter's name? She's a character oh, trope. Man. Um, I don't even know. Yeah, I don't remember. No, she's yeah. No, they're weak. They're they're um they're written very poorly. so memorable. I can't remember the character's name. Yeah, I don't. I don't remember her name. Was it Sky? Maybe it, it might it, be Sky. It also, that might feels, not be Sky. That feels like it. It is, but there's also been might a lot of be. Paw Patrol on in our house lately, so it. <laughs> <laughs> that could be bleeding together. We should do an episode but on Paw Patrol. that is telling. Right. Because I can remember the dog's name is Paw Patrol. There you okay. go. Okay. There you go. I think that illustrates my point perfectly. God. Your that's the, rants. That's the Paw Patrol scaling system. Um, This is kind of similar to, to what you're saying, although not completely. Uh, a couple of the mid-90s tropes are, like, too crazy and cringy to kind of get through. Okay. Um. And here, here are my examples of of that. Um, one one of the things I'll put in there is like the minecart chase oh. seems pretty hokey. <laughs> um, 
So that was like, man, okay. That was like minecart and then cold suspended cold cart. They get both of them. Yeah, it's I'm, like and I'm the including. Cart I'm putting the them all ride. together yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. in one thing. It's very trophy. Um, very trophy. Uh, the old lady with flowers that shows up in the middle of the car chase. <laughs> that was also like, wah, wah, like wh- when is this movie taking place? Yeah. And then the um, the very uh, poor, <laughs> very uh, like offensive uh, display of the very effeminate stylist who who does oh, the yeah. hair. Do and we then have, do we have time to have cut and color? Yes. No. And, and then like after all this shit happens, I just want to know if you like, like your hair. That's oh, you're happy with your hair. Those are tough to get through. Those scenes Not are okay. Those things scenes are tough to get through. Um. Just because that is egregious. Yeah. I do have that note. Yeah. Thank you for bringing it up. So yeah, it, those were just the moments where I was like, "Oh, this thing's so well crafted. I'm really enjoying myself. This is entertaining." But it's, and, you know, we we often expect like characters who are larger, than, like people who are larger than life, and characters yeah. and and like people, writers, artists. We always have this expectation that they're going to be somehow like evolved past the general conceptions of their age. And that's just not true. Like, even if you look at the great artists or the great philosophers, oh, no, I'm, they are formed by and products of the age that they are. Absolutely. I'm a huge which is not, supporter of that. Which is not an excuse for, like, the yeah. offensiveness of, the, like, the two things, like, the things that we just talked yeah. about. In terms of, like, its depiction of, uh, like, a character who appears to be LGBTQ. Yeah. And 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 the women in this movie. Well, they're they're um they're they're, they're playing hard. They're they're written very hard at the stereotype. Correct. So for me, it's I one hundred percent agree with like you. Like we were talking about with another part of this movie, like you have to take the context of right. of the time that it was made. When these things stand out to me is when they're like. Like now, if Michael Bay makes a sequel and this oh, yeah. character reappears and they're the same character they were in 1996, well then, like let's let's uh, let's get the pitchforks. But when when they when they um, stand out to me is when these things are like added in as like a just like a gag, like, right. like this is gonna be a cheap laugh, right? Like oh, everyone's yeah. gonna. Like I have this. this note later for yeah. a different a different thing we're gonna and, talk about. Um, okay, with maybe not the minecart. The minecart, I guess, wasn't for a cheap laugh, but the old lady with the flowers and like the hairstylist were like written specifically to like inject humor into this right in a very not timeless way and so when you watch them they're like a big bump in the road that's otherwise pretty smooth i strongly agree with that um i have two rants left they're both very short okay. do you have any rants left i have one more okay it's kind of, it's not a big question but it's a question how did mason mm-hmm. in 1960 three okay when he escaped how did mason have knowledge of how to get into and navigate the underground yeah i i wrote how in my did notes know, i didn't put this how did here he know about the underground and how did he know to get into the underground yep. in 1963 while i was watching it i did think to myself he knows way more than just escaping correct he, this is like you almost expected them to be and it wouldn't have worked with Alcatraz because of how long Alcatraz was there but you almost expected like this movie to be like oh yeah this guy uh, guy escaped but and uh they don't talk about why and then like Mason is like oh I helped build the place I knew all of its secrets you know and then does he say that no no but I'm saying like he knows it so intimately exactly that you feel like he was more than just a prisoner right and he knew more than just his escape route 
I mean, he, he does say he's, he's British intelligence and that he was. And, and so this brings me to my last rant. Mm-hmm. He's James Bond. He is James Bond. Because that is 100. Like, how does James Bond get out of any trap? Mm-hmm. Like, at one point, he's tied to a, uh, is it Goldfinger or Doctor Now? I can't remember where he's I've tied. Very few James Bonds. He's tied to a table and there's either a laser that's going to cut him in half, like from the groin to the head or, sure. or a the buzzsaw. Classic. It's yeah. either a laser or a buzzsaw. Yeah. I can't remember what it is. And he's never in any jeopardy because he's James Bond. Right. He's going to get out of it. Yeah. And so my rave is that Mason is James Bond. My rant is that Mason is James Bond. Yeah. And I think the writers also think he's James Bond. Yeah. I do think if this movie were made today... Um, because of how audiences have changed and what they want in movies have changed. I do think that Sean Connery's character of Mason would have died Died. at the end of the movie, sacrificing himself so that Nick Cage's character could actually start the relationship with his child that Mason missed out on for his entire life. Right. I think that's what would have happened. I don't think that would have happened in a 96 movie. Um, because you need like both your heroes to live by the end of the movie, just like an in Independence Day. Um, spoilers for Independence Day, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I agree. So, I, I, he's James Bond, yeah. The writers think he's James Bond, yeah. and I have a sketchy, I have a sketchy theory that I'm calling a shady theory, yeah, shady theory that I would like to share with you, but I don't know when those usually go. You can do it right now, usually, if it's, it's, if it's related to what you just said, this is the perfect time, it is. But I will, I, should I let you finish your rants? Okay, I have one last rant is very, Great. very Great. small, but it really took me out of the movie. Okay. The casual reveal that aliens did, in fact, land at Roswell <laughs> did yeah. not belong in this movie. No. It's just, uh, no. and and it's 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 that same thing with all these mid-90s tropes. The casual like, reveal of aliens, the assassin the, who, yeah. who actually shot JFK. Yeah. Like, just the, the casual reveal that, like, oh, by the way, you know how this movie's, like, completely grounded and completely realistic? Also... Aliens I'm doing, I'm doing the meme. Aliens. Yeah, like, um, it, that was just another one of those moments that it was like, wait, what? This was what? just thrown in there for people to be like, uh-huh. You did. No, I see what you did there, and I did not like it. So, okay, yeah, that's my last one. Should, should we do big questions first? Because if, if, then my, like, my last question is, is John Mason actually James Bond? Which will lead into your my, my okay. shady theory. Sure. Cool. Do you want me to go first? Because you're yeah. Let's do with... let's do big questions. Okay. What is more believable? <laughs> I'm, in, I'm in already. Okay. Straight fa- game face. That Sean Connery is a very fast walker, or that Nicolas Cage is a very <laughs> slow reader. It's such a small note. It's such a small note at the end okay, of the movie. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, for context, uh, if you look at a picture of Alcatraz Island, there is a building on the South Shore. Uh, so looking, so if you're out, uh, in San Francisco, you look towards Alcatraz, and there's just like a cement structure. All the wood, the roof is bu- burned out. It just looks like a tic-tac-toe grid. Mm-hmm. They're sitting on one side of it. Sean Connery gives him a note. Nicolas Cage reads it. It's when a he, note that literally just says, like, a location. It's just, a, yeah. It's a, it's, it's a town in Nebraska. A town in Nebraska, a church. The name of the church. And what pew? Right, you know, first pew, yep. right leg, this, hollow. Where this film is, yeah. That's it. Yep. And while Nick Cage is reading, Sean Connery goes from in front of him 
to the complete opposite like side of the 30 grid. 30 yards away. And then Nick Cage, like we as the audience see him there. Yeah. Then Nick Cage looks up. And he's gone. He's gone. So which is, Nick Cage is an incredibly slow reader. Or Sean Connery is a very fast Or Sean walker. Connery is a fast walker. Because he's not out of breath when he's over there. I don't think he runs. I think he walked over I'm going to go, oh yeah, he definitely walks. I'm going to go with Sean Connery is a fast walker. Yeah, I, I do too. Because it's not the first time that he does something like that. If Nick Cage had just been shown like sounding out the words, <laughs> that would have been perfect. Like, he's completely unaware aware of the state of Nebraska. And he's like, Nebraska? Does he mean Nevada? Ne I've never heard of. Oh, it's Kansas. It is Kansas. Kansas? Kansas. What could this mean? And then, like, the sun sets. And he looks up. Pew. Pew, pew. That's my first BQ. The... Okay, so the answer Stanley is Stanley Goodspeed is a chemical weapons expert. Yeah. Which, uh, he's got some. He's got some letters. He's got some college he's got letters. Some letters. He's got some degrees. Uh, I'm gonna go with with Mason as a fast walker. Fast walker. Okay. okay. First big question. And this took me out. It was it was a it was a, a rant that turned into a big question. Okay. Can retired generals just roll up to active military bases to inspect secret stockpiles of weapons of mass destruction? Yes. This is a pre-9-11 world. So. <laughs> like, is that how it works? Um, yeah. No, I, you I just, agree. You were, you're, at one point, you were a general, so you, all, you can just like, yeah. I want to see the nuclear weapons. And he's very well known, too. He's famous. They, they, they notice Everybody him. Everybody knows him. They don't even question it because they know him. Um, yeah, that's how it works. That's how okay. it works. You see how poorly everything's run. <laughs> it is a shit show. And so that's... It explains a lot yeah. about 9-11. Yeah. It yeah. really does. Like, the, the military security, procedures of the American government. Yeah. Um, it explains a lot about a pre-9-11 world. Oh, yeah. Isn't there even just, like, a scene... Oh, I think it's just when they're talking to, like, the slightly lower government guy... And he's like, ha, shows that you know. No one's ever escaped. And then he's got like, pull them away. Uh, okay, yeah. actually, actually. Yeah, there's, there's shit you don't know. Yeah. And there's aliens, too. Because <laughs> that's probably going to come up later. And I don't want you to act surprised in the moment. Yeah. You know. Like, that would have changed the movie to me completely aliens. as any other character. Aliens. All right. Oh, okay. My next question is, um, we've established in the, in the opening that I love so much. Yes. That these glass balls... Are yes. very fragile. Yes, and uh, it drops and it and it shatters against the the cement wall. Yes. How does it survive in Nick Cage's flak vest, being jumping thrown around, through, thrown walls. through walls, and he's it, jumping, he's landed on his on his belly and chest, and it's and it's it gets into a fist fight to to withstand all that, and yet, and then it goes back to being fragile when he puts it in the guy's mouth and just hits up on his chin yeah. and chomps it down with his teeth. Yeah. How did that guy like not just like start dripping blood from his mouth? Should have. Should have, right? They thought that would be too gruesome. Glass guess, in his mouth. I mean, he then melts. He does melt. So, I mean, if you like just bite down on glass in your mouth, that's yeah. going to. That's what I always tell people. Glass tastes like blood if you chew on it long enough. <laughs> Learn that. I, I mean, I sketch. Way. I don't have an answer for you. Yeah. I don't. It's I'd... almost ranty because. It is. Um, it is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Mason is just like holding them. At one point, mm -hmm. and Nick Cage was like, "He freaks out." Yeah, that, gotta it, res respect it. These are 
These are sneeze the wrong like sneeze yes. and we're dead. Yes. And then he puts it in his pocket. Top top flak vest pocket. Yeah. And and again, he's not intending thrown to then get like through a wall thrown around and kicked around and beat up so much. Right. But we the audience it would have been know safer it's in, in his leg pocket. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Which he has. There's atropine in his leg yeah, pocket. There is. Okay. The the shower ambush scene. Yeah, the Navy Michael Bean. Uh, Terminator, mm-hmm. uh, Mandalorian. He's in the mail. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The when we meet Ahsoka Tano. Spoilers for Mandalorian. Oh yeah. Okay. Yep. Uh, Michael Bean mm-hmm. leads his men up through the shower grate. Yeah. They all go up. One Navy Steel Seal stays behind with Mason. Right. And and good speed. Yeah. The massacre, gunshot, gun, yes. um, epic gun battle. It's terrible. All the seals die. The last seal. Looks at Mason and goes up, like yep. up through the like. The, what what did the last Navy SEAL think he was going to do? His team is totes dead. Yeah. Don't don't they train for this sort of thing? I know it. I it mean, was so it was almost a rant, but like I get that it's a movie. It was, but it, yeah, because in that moment I was like, wait a minute. These are the best of the best Navy SEALs. Don't they tra- train for mm-hmm. my whole team is dead. I'm the last one. There's yeah. got to be some procedure. He just like the last bullet is fired. No, he goes. Yeah. He goes. It up, was doesn't even get a shot off. It was. And it was terrible, too, because, OK, for starters, this isn't because we're going to get dangerously close to rants because we're going to yeah. go off on this for a second. But I understand movie storytelling point of view why that scene was very tragic you right. know because he he goes yeah. up to his inevitable death and he and he knows it and blah 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 but yeah because at this point too you can't even make the argument like um well that's it the mission's over everyone's right. dead like you still have your chemical guy and you have like the most amazing escape artist in the world right like and a navy seal you you gotta like you, now you got to shift your priority. Right. And your priority is like, all right, now you're just one guy, but you got to stick with these two. Because you got to get them your, to the objective. Yeah, your thing will not be accomplished without this. Um, Yeah, that should have absolutely been his training. I mean, it's good that he was casted as such a young guy. Right. So you could think that, like, oh, this is, like, the the, the lowest guy on the totem pole, and like he's, like, the youngest recruit. But even at that, they're like the to make it into that best, team. Right? Yeah, yeah, to make it into that team. Um, he should have he should have known better, but it's just so goddamn sad, so goddamn sad. And then it Mason would have been more gun. believable if he doesn't go up. And the first time they encounter like the bombs, like a bomb, blows or the up. or the first time they encounter other soldiers, Mason just like pushes him out, yeah, so that he's killed and they think the whole team is dead. Yeah, that that's like more believable to me. More believable um, that Mason like gets him killed so that they think everyone yeah. is dead. Yeah, I don't know if ninety six though they would have been willing to let the hero kill a good guy soldier yeah um it does lead to the very fun line though of like well he's got a gun sir and he's like well what do you have like a pea shooter right and he's like he's got the gun and then mason takes the gun he has both of the guns now so yes yeah <laughs> <laughs> yep and also like sending nick cage in i get why but like, not it's that wasn't a good play Just either. Put them on comms. To put like them on comms, them or or have your SEAL team clear the place, right? And then bring him, and in. then bring him in. Then you can chopper him in, and right. 
it'll take a little bit of extra time, but send send like four helicopters to infiltrate yeah. Alcatraz and like mass them all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like why did they send so few Navy SEALs? Because that's all you need. Hummel's plan was so much tighter than any response that yes. the military put together in this movie. Uh, but, but to be fair, Hummel had like years to concoct it and come up with it and plan it. And th- these guys were just like, well, we got we got like, what, 36 hours or 48 hours right. or something like that. So, you know, I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt. Plus, they were high on hot dogs. Like, like, <laughs> like two days before, they didn't show it in the movie, but they were like this, this like free hot dog buffet for the San Francisco, like City Hall. And like, they're just high on potassium and rat meat and they cannot come up with a good plan. It's the only way this movie come, works out. Oh my god. Um okay. I have uh one last big question. Go for it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> All right. I'm going to try and give you a big A here. Game face. <clears throat> Game face. Mason, it is established when they first get to onto the island when they pop up from like the sewer drain or whatever that is. That Mason's the only one who can get them in past the weird boiler furnace of death right. thing because he memorized the timing of the thing. Why did he need to memorize all that if he knew how to open the door from the inside as effortlessly as he does? It's <laughs> a great question. Um, because, because in 1963, mm-hmm. when he escapes, there are guards in the tunnel. That is true. Okay, so that door has just always been unlocked, but there was a person there. Um, I don't know if it's unlocked. I think it's locked, but it opens from the inside, and there and there are guards. Which just seems like not how you want to install a door on a prison where it doesn't lock from the outside. Because the okay, so the setup of that Mm -hmm. here's the setup of that. The rock is built on an old Civil War fort. Mm -hmm. So none of the doors would open from the outside. They Mm -hmm. all open from the inside because this is the, like, assumably this is the historic part of the, the the even older part of the fort, Mm -hmm. the the subterranean part. And this this cistern was for getting water and waste and and things like in and out of Mm -hmm. the, the, you know, on and off the island in the event of a military siege. So none of the doors open from the outside. Okay. Which is fine for him to get out, but there's a guard there, but you can't get in. Okay. That's my answer. Okay. I tried to give you a legitimate answer. Now, wouldn't those okay. wouldn't those doors have all been changed from the time it was a Civil War fort? You'd I think. would assume so, but that's, I mean, that's my best legitimate big A. That's not a Civil War um uh door boiler room. Boiler room. Well, the boil so the boiler is built into the cargo entry for like bringing because that cistern's gigantic also. Like so that's like how they brought like munition munitions in. Yep. They brought them in underwater with an iron turtle. Yeah. And then they hoisted they it up and and the boiler's built into the old cargo. Well, that's like built it was a right cargo there. door and it was just big enough so that's what they built the boiler into. There you go. And they didn't think to change the didn't the door when it. they nope. updated the boiler. It's my best attempt at a big A. It's okay it's a good attempt i'll give you it's a good Thank attempt you. i tried i tried hard um makes no sense because at first i was like oh, maybe he picked the lock but he's he's james bond he is james so bond. shouldn't he have just been able to knock the guard out and open the door well yeah <laughs> like, <laughs> I, like he's the he's the best of the best he's been trained by the best yeah 
and he gets he gets to that door very quickly. So like he pops out of the other side of the boiler somewhere close to that door. Right. Um, but you know what? It's okay. And also the army was like the uh, the the seals were like that's it. He abandoned us. You know, knew he was gonna flake. It's like he just he just broke into a prison. Like where is he going at this point? He he walked into a prison that's completely held hostage at gunpoint. Right. Like what? Maybe don't jump to conclusions so quick. Right. He's not going anywhere. Right. There's and he's, nowhere and he's to go. He's on the wrong side to he's escape. He's on the wrong side yeah. of this thing to escape. Left us. He's just going to sit yeah. in there yeah. and like let the whole thing play out. Yeah. And then open. Yeah. It, it made no sense. Also, I really hope they didn't show <laughs> it. They didn't show it. So we can't assume he did it. But I really hope that before he rolled through all that fire, he took the kerosene out of his pocket. I know. We know he didn't. Oh, no. Because he had it later. He did have it later. And but it maybe after he opened the door, he picked up his kerosene again. Again, those were they on the cutter room it, but, uh, I'm pretty sure he went through with the kerosene. That would have been It was very, sealed. It was in a plastic bottle. Very short That's movie. what they give him. Kerosene matches, matches. And, and rope, right? A little, Do they even give him rope? I think the, like kerosene, mat, waterproof matches, and like something else. Yeah, I don't remember. I mean, I remember the kerosene and the matches come back. But everything else he finds from his... Falling. I like that. I like that the entire SEAL team dies and they give him that as yeah. like a fuck you. Yeah. Uh, and then he actually takes out like everybody with, but he specifically uses oh, he takes the out kerosene. Cox. Yeah, he, he takes, takes out, out Dr. Cox with, um, with the kerosene. With the kerosene. Matches. Yeah. Yeah. All right. That brings me to my last question mm-hmm. Is John Mason James Bond? What do you think, Sketch? Is he, and, and when I say that, not. Not is like this a send up or they're playing on the do the have the writers in their head canon decided that J- John Mason is the canonical James Bond from Sean Connery's official run as 007 in the six eon pictures that he appeared in. And I say yes. I say I say yes, there is absolutely a version of the script in which that is revealed. Okay. And that someone somewhere had been like, we can't do that. Right. We're not allowed to do that. But I it's there are too many similarities and right. he's written too too exact that there had to have been a scene somewhere like it 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 just lays it out blatantly for you. I will one up that okay. and say uh, yes and those movies were made by Eon Pictures, mm-hmm. distributed by MGM. Mm-hmm. MGM at the time owned by Walt Disney Pictures. Mm-hmm. So I will say yes, and mm-hmm. and I came up with on my own okay. this scenario. But in doing the research, I found a Reddit thread. Mm-hmm a fairly well-documented Reddit thread that I had not stumbled upon previously. So I will credit, I, long-time listeners, I came to this on my own, but based on the work that was laid out, once I got into the research and found this, it was just so well laid out by Reddit user ApprehensiveTest26 that I, I, have, to, I have to credit. Thank you, uh, ApprehensiveTest. Thank you, ApprehensiveTest26. Apprehensive uh, and I will say that there has been pretty excellent rebuttals of all of this as to why it doesn't work okay but um so i i came to this on my own and my conclusion was it all hinges on 
one thing. Whether you believe that James Bond mm-hmm. is the same oh, man yeah. in every single James Bond movie, mm-hmm. just played by different actors. Yeah. Or a code name. Or that's if you believe that each actor is a different man mm-hmm. using not only the identity of double, the number 007, yeah. but that James Bond is yeah. part of that cover story. And mm-hmm. James Bond is not the real name. Yeah. yeah. So across 007 movies, the history of James Bond has used many aliases, but always introduces himself rather cavalierly as James Bond. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it comes down to your take on that, whether or not you believe James Bond is always the same person played by, I think, seven different actors at this point. Mm-hmm. Or if you believe James, like all seven actors are different Bonds mm-hmm. um, playing are different men playing different characters using this same assumed identity that works for MI6. Are you asking me specifically, or is this a rhetorical question for the, the LTL? I'm asking you specifically. Oh, okay. It's also rhetorical because there's, I think I've answered it conclusively, mm-hmm. but there, I, I think there will always be people to say one way or the other. I think there will always be a camp of people that feel a certain way. Uh, Sketch, what do you think? Okay. I have seen very few James Bonds. Okay. I have only seen Pierce Brosnan James Bonds and Daniel Craig James Bonds. Wow. And not all of them from either of them. So I still haven't seen a Sean Connery James Bond. Wow. That's crazy. I want to be with you when you watch your first Connery Bond. Okay. Um, We can do a Connery Bond for the pod. Um, The. So I'm saying this with very little background information, but I would believe that it is a a passed-on title and codename and everything, uh, only because beyond just actors changing now, the world has changed so much from the beginning of the Bond Correct. universe to, to now, and to still have a Bond. Right. Um, to me, it's the only way to explain it away. Sure. Or or it's... it's not. It, it, I don't mean this to sound very multiversal, but like... It's the same character, but... Different universes? Kind of different universe, but, like, you know, this story is taking place in a time where James Bond has been doing this for a long time, but not necessarily every Bond that happened before actually, actually happened, happened to this sure. Bond. Sure. Sure. Yeah. So, um, there there is a caveat that the, not, none of what I'm about to explain works if you count Never Say Never Again in 1983. Okay. So we won't count it. Which is regard. It's very well regarded, but it is not part of. It is not produced by Eon Pictures. It doesn't use the James Bond theme, and it exists at a time when Roger Moore, who is the third Bond, is unsure if he's going to continue. It looks like he's done his last Bond. The franchise is in dire straits. They get Connery to do one more Bond, Never Say Never Again, which is basically a more accurate telling of the novel Thunderball. Okay. So it's it's kind of a remake of Thunderball. And then Roger Moore does another movie after it. And so immediately Eon Pictures MGM says like that is not canonical. It's not part of the pantheon of James Bond movies. Okay. The Roger Moore sequel is the direct sequel to the 1981 movie. This Never Say Never Again didn't count. Didn't happen. Okay. So if you agree with that, which I do. Okay. I like the movie, but it's not it's like a standalone it's an OVA. It's an it's an OVA. Didn't happen. Okay. 
or if it did happen, doesn't take place in 1983. Yeah. It, like it takes place in an earlier time or, or it never happened at all. And I think, I think that's accurate because it doesn't include a lot of the tropes of James Bond. Mm-hmm. That's like your alternate universe thing. Uh, I'm just going to like read from apprehensive test 26's argument and then i will leave it where it is debunked and then i think i have the i think i have the debunk to the debunk the silver bullet as to why he is james bond and why it does work some some might say that you actually found the film and you know who the real killer is. you might say you might say so this is a common so i guess many people have had this thought Mm -hmm. that that it is true in The Rock, it is re- revealed that John Mason doesn't exist, at least as far as government records are concerned. Correct. So he does not exist in any database in the world. And even in the 60s, you have to believe that facial recognition was starting to, to take hold. They would have had images of him. But this person does not exist. There are no, The only evidence that he exists is his daughter. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's plausible, even likely, that John Mason isn't his real name or is his real name and has been scrubbed. In Connery's tenure as 007, he has used aliases more than once to protect himself and fellow agents. So it's certainly in the realm of possibility that he changed his name upon being captured prior to the events of The Rock. He escaped Alcatraz after Dr. No. In the very first Eon Productions Bond film and the first to feature Connery, Dr. No, While not stated in that film, it is safe to assume that the movie takes place in the same year it was released, 1962. The Rock states that Mason was arrested and sent to Alcatraz in 1962, escaping in 1963, the same year the second and, to many, one of the best Bond movies from Russia with Love was released and takes place. The final shot of Dr. No sees Connery's Bond refuse help from the CIA meaning he could have been and most likely was picked up from another agency that assumed he was a henchman escaping Dr. No's Island. In From Russia with Love, Sylvia Trench berates James Bond for ignoring her for six months. Six months is more than enough time to be incarcerated and then plot and execute an escape plan from Alcatraz, at least for a man like James Bond. Of course. So that all tracks. All tracks. Right? Totally plausible. Yeah. He refuses the CIA's help. He, like, floats off with Sylvia Trench in a boat to, like, get it on. Yeah. Because he's, like, oh, so super sexy and irresistible. So you're saying that's his daughter's mother? Nope. No. No. Because in the next movie... Bond has sex with lots of women. He does, yes. He is a walking venereal disease, as documented in on SNL. It's one of my favorite scripts of all. He has to call all of the women he's ever had sex with because he has 243 different forms of venereal disease. Sure. Yeah. Um, and so it's just calling every single Bond yeah. villainess, and, like, uh, that he's ever had liaisons with. Um, it's hilarious. I think Chris Parnell played, oh, played Bond. Bond in that oh, okay. One. I think so it's that's going to be my follow-up question. Yeah, I think it was Chris Parnell. Um, okay, so the, he refuses, he's captured by the CIA, he gives another, he gives this alias of John Mason, or... John Mason was his actual name, and it's just been scrubbed from databases. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, and in the when he does come back six months later, he's been ignoring Sylvia Trench, right? And and so like, where have you been? Blah 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 blah. He gives some like flippant answer, but he was locked up on the rock. Sure, took him six months to escape, and now he's back in British intelligence. He stole the microfilm after his last official Bond movie. 
So the reason Mason is in prison during the events of The Rock is that he stole the microfilm containing FBI secrets. The Rock mentions in passing that the reason he was put in Alcatraz was because of the stolen film. However, this doesn't add up, as the microfilm contains truth about JFK's assassination, an event that didn't occur until the year Mason escaped. Oh, that's true. The smoking gun in this fact is that the film seems to imply that the microfilm was stolen after the death of J. Edgar Hoover in 1972. Connery's last official Bond film came out in 1971. It is plausible that Diamonds Are Forever, which had some great, uh, which had many great scenes, and was Connery's last official 007 film, was his Bond's last successful mission before being arrested as John Mason the following year. The timelines match up too perfectly not to take this into account. Mm-hmm. So it it kind of implies that he stole the film and was put in Alcatraz. It does. But that's never stated. Yeah. So it the microfilm would have have to have come out, which Womack says, like, this all came out after J. Edgar Hoover died. Mm-hmm. J. Edgar Hoover dies in 72, and that's when Mason is captured for the final time. Hmm. And it was it was during the intervening years, like sometime, and it was, he was captured after a Led Zeppelin concert in 1972. And that's where he met Sky's mother, and they had a one night stand. Gotcha, gotcha. So it's later okay. that he steals them, and it's it's plausible to like, hey, Hoover's dead. We know this is we need to activate someone that we have on hand. He's out. British secret intelligence like finds him again. Like, find this, get it for us, and your slate's clean. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Plausible, yeah. James Bond could have escaped from Alcatraz. If there was anybody who could escape a prison such as Alcatraz, it would be James Bond. He has proven time and time again that he is the master escaped artist, sliding his way out of all kinds of death traps and prisons. Even in Dr. No, he manages to free himself from a sinister layer that seems more inescapable than Alcatraz. While in reality, the prison wasn't fully inescapable, the devastating waters are what provide, uh, proved the odds of a successful escape being unlikely to a man like James Bond, who's experienced the underwater combat of Thunderball, mm-hmm. these waters would have been nothing. He has survived much worse due to luck and skill. MI6 disavows agents. Something that seems to work against the theory is the fact that MI6 would have never let one of their best agents be incarcerated in an American prison for over 20 years. One of the most popular spy movie tropes, however, is says that they would do just that. A cliche in several spy movies is that the agency denies all knowledge of a mission or agent in the event they are captured. Sure. This is shown even in 007 movies. In the cold opening of Skyfall, M orders Moneypenny to shoot at Bond if it means killing the man they are after. If the good of the people, uh, if the, the greater good of the most people is at stake, M would have had no problem leaving Bond to rot in prison. Um, and so, uh, br- the final thing, British intelligence, perhaps the most obvious thing supporting the theory outside of the fact that the same actor plays the two characters is that they were both British, British intelligence agents. James Bond works for MI6 and he is trained by top agents to become one of the best in the organization's history. In The Rock, John Mason claims that he was trained by the best in British intelligence, i.e. MI6. Mm -hmm. John's backstory is mostly kept secret and the term British intelligence could mean anything, which of course leaves the door wide open to this theory. Mason may, may or may not have been an MI6 agent, but fans of this theory choose to believe that he is. Uh, Finally, John's daughter. If the theory is to be believed, it's hard to accept the fact that the great James Bond would have gotten captured and not attempted to escape. This is justified in one element, the fact that John Mason has a daughter. His daughter reveals uh, 
His daughter reveals that she was conceived after a one-night stand with her mother, which is, of course, a very 007 thing to do. His daughter, Jade, would be would oh. have made James reflect on his life. He wanted to retire the spy life before his first wife was murdered. So it was pl- uh, the James Bond has a wife in the movies who is murdered by Spectre. Oh, my. So he had a wife. She died. So now, like, this is his second tant. And he was going to retire. Mm-hmm. But this pulls him back in. Um, being a father would be enough to want to give up that life. It would be his last mission. His mind could have been on his daughter, thus making him sloppy and leading to his capture. Proponents of the theory believe that his escape may have put his daughter at risk, which be enough to stop him from trying. And finally, and this is where I say the writers also believe in what they're putting forward and intend for him to be James Bond. Mm -hmm. Hummel attempts to trick him into giving up his identity. Looking at the timeline of Hummel, the antagonist of The Rock, and the Bond films, you only live twice, some interesting things become apparent. During the, offense of, of the events of this 007 film, Hummel would have been serving in Vietnam, which has already been established. In the opening of You Only Live Twice, 007 fakes his death, which then makes worldwide headlines. And I have here an image, British Naval Commander Murdered, Commander James Bond. In the Hanoi Times. Yep. Uh, sorry, Hong Kong Times. Hummel could have seen this headline and felt felt sympathy for the fall, fallen naval commander, which is keeping with his character. When the two men meet face-to-face in the rock, Hummel requests Mason, given his name and rank, even referring to him as a sailor. Oh. Mason gives a confused look and goes on to say he was in the army. This could mean Hummel recognizes Mason as Bond from the headlines, and tried to slip him up. Mason's confused look implies he realizes Hummel knows his true identity, and he's trying to confuse him. Jeez. I will go a a step further. I believe that the writers, the writers at least believe, John Mason is his real name. Mm -hmm. He was in the army, and the James Bond identity is a British naval commander. Mm -hmm. So Connery is not in The Rock John Mason isn't lying, but if you believe he's 007, as I do, mm-hmm. then it doesn't jive. And I agree with that, that Hummel would have recognized yeah. this guy for, that made international headlines as a British naval commander on a covert mission. It would have absolutely known that the man in front of him 30 years so later. ultimately, the shady theory yes, and the... I forget his name's theory, but thank you. Altered Quest? Altered. Uh, um, apprehensive Test 26. I was so close with Altered Test. <laughs> A lot of COVID testing lately. Yes. Um, the theory is that Sean Connery, may, John, John, John Mason. Mason, is in actuality the same man. Yes. That we, be, we know as James Bond from Dr. No to Diamonds Are Forever. And there is ample evidence yes specifically, specifically. in the timeline of J- these james bond yes. movies that match up with the brief history of mason's character that we're given in the rock yes and oh. they have purposely constructed that well it does seem too coincidental and i have i have the the piece here that right. that i think piece, solidifies it the piece de shells yes the a bond movie always ends with James uh, James Bond will return. Yes. Okay. That is at the end of every canonical James Bond movie. Yep. 
it's not at the end of the non-canonical. You oh, never say never again. Yeah. It's at the end of everything else. Okay. So, and and these are the things that I think solidify it. I I I am of the persuasion that each actor is a different man assuming the identity of Bond. Yeah. And I think the writers of the current producers and writers of James Bond characters mm-hmm. like the official canonical James Bond run agree with me and when apprehensive test put out his theory this this was not there okay this had like they had not concluded yet mm-hmm. so the last daniel craig james bond movie has come out mm-hmm. spoilers for that movie for that movie uh, uh, ahead so yeah, I fast forward through the pa- the end of all right, I'm going to try to. Yeah, and I'm going to sketch. I'm going to apologize to you because I'm going to spoil it. To oh you. God, I don't get a choice, guys. You don't. I'm sorry. So in Daniel Craig's run as James Bond, we we get his introduction into MI6, where he becomes 007, mm-hmm. and I believe gets the identity of James Bond. Mm-hmm. And at the conclusion of his run, we see th- the death of his character. Oh. Like, there no surviving. Yeah, he is at the center of a nuclear missile oh strike. My gosh, was he in a fridge? No. Oh, then it, it's, it, like it no straight up hits him. Yeah, like he is dead. Yeah, D E D dead. But not because he's not in a fridge. Yeah. He's not. I in got it. Okay, so at the conclusion of that movie, mm-hmm. the very last thing you see is James Bond will return. Now, either the, either like his bond is a throwaway at that point, Mm -hmm. it's an alternate universe, blah, 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 or the current caretakers of James Bond also believe that each actor is a different bond using an identity. When we pick up with Daniel Craig's bond at the beginning of Casino Royale, his first Bond movie. M is played by Judy Dench, mm-hmm. who is a holdover from the Pierce Brosnan era. She is playing M. Mm-hmm. She appears to be the same M. Yep. And at, she appears to reference previous events of Bond missions. Right. And ha- but not that this Bond has gone on. Because right, right. he is starting, he's just getting his license to kill at the beginning of that movie. Yeah. She c- appears to have history with this person but also recalls the events of previous missions. Right. In Skyfall, we get this Daniel Craig's Bond's backstory in which they go to his family's estate in either northern England. I did see that one. You did see that one. Okay. We see his family's tombstones. Mm -hmm. Daniel Craig's Bond is at least in his 40s by this point, late 30s, early 40s. Those tombstones are far too new. They are like they're branched, so it's either bad prop dressing or MI6 has replaced their headstones to back up his identity as James Bond. Gotcha. And they've just redressed them. Mm-hmm. Daniel Craig's final 007 movie is No Time to Die. He is at the center. Of a nuclear missile strike. Mm-hmm. Fridgeless. Fridgeless. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is reported dead. Yeah. Daniel Craig's like, I'm not coming back. Yeah. But J- James Bond will return. But James Bond will re- re- return. 
Never Say Never Again is a non-canonical James Bond movie. It's produced by Warner Brothers, not MGM. Hmm. It doesn't count. Connery's last outing as Bond was Diamonds Are Forever, mm-hmm. at, at the end of which he was reacquired by the CIA or FBI, incarcerated, escapes, finds the microfilm, put back in prison, captured, put back in prison, and there he remains until the start until of The Rock. The, yeah. and, I, and I think the writers of the movie intend that, mm-hmm. and the current... The current caretakers of James Bond movies seem to also agree. I'm on board. I'm on board. It's a very compelling argument. Thank you. Um, Which means that while Mason is in prison, the events of Pierce Brosnan's bonds are still taking place. So it means while Connery's in prison, George uh, Lazen, sorry, when he goes to prison the first time, there is a George Lazenby movie on His Majesty's Secret Service goes on that adventure and then there are there's a Sean Connery movie after that and then that's 1968 and then Roger Moore takes over in 1971 okay when Connery would appear would be incarcerated again he's he's or 72 so that movie comes out in 71 so Connery's in America yeah but not yet reacquired and then um Roger Moore goes through till 1985 when Timothy Dalton takes over, does two movies, and then Pierce Brosnan takes over, runs through to 19, I think, uh, 2002 or something like that. And then Daniel Craig takes over. There you go. The next one. I like it. I like it, too. Yeah. And I I I do feel like it's it's, um, some choices are too intentional. Yes. That's 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 the smoking gun. So to the naysayers who who say that the theory doesn't work, doesn't hold up, I say, given you. this new information. Oh, oh well, fuck you. <laughs> no, I say uh, I say that given this new information, it does. It's yeah. at least plausible. So there you go. Yeah. Thanks for sticking with me through that. I, got a lim- I, ju- I had this on a I had this uh, mind mind yeah. web. I was going to. It's very scary. I, I feel yeah. I feel it's a little it's a little beautiful mind. for my safety here. My favorite thing is like the the mental mind fuckery mm. of Hummel asking like what like what's your right you know what's yeah. your name Sailor yeah like clearly yeah clearly and him go and kudos oh, for picking uh, up army because uh, yeah that was in the army yeah I'm like mm, that doesn't track unless he was actually in yeah. the army Hummel's like I sold this guy yeah on Coney oh Island. You, I know it you're a, I know who you are yeah. you're a spy yeah. I saw it. yeah you're famous yeah you like mustard and relish hold the ketchup <laughs> and i think that brings us to shades and sketch recommendations but honestly rock's a good movie that's so good yeah do you recommend it oh yeah all yeah. hardly all yeah. hardly they gave it a 91 um can i go first yeah take it away okay uh i am going to recommend the unbearable weight of massive talent which is a new nicholas cage movie oh in which oh. he plays himself. Oh, okay. That's not the one I'm thinking of. Okay. It probably is the one you're thinking of. He he is playing himself, uh-huh. and he is experiencing events from previous movies that he's made. Interesting. Um, and it's, it's not what I was thinking. Okay. Of. And uh, he he it, it's it's basically a who's who 
romp through all of all of the movies that he's ever done. Wow. Um, but as himself. Yeah. And, and like experiencing things that are very familiar to you. Interesting. What's Leaving this, Las Vegas. What's the thought? Uh, I uh, bought it with early access uh, through Amazon. Gotcha. Uh, I think it's on HBO. Oh, okay. It just came to HBO. That's cool. Wow. But um, it is, it is very surreal. It's funny. It is, it's smart. Nicholas Cage is fantastic in it. And uh, I mean, it just, it it just reiterates the, the tropey Nicholas Cage decisions, quirkiness, bonkers, over the top acting, but done only at you know as only Nicolas Cage can do. Only Nicolas Cage. Anybody else doing it would just be like you just this is terrible. Yeah. But he sells it. He's made a career out of it and he is incredibly and massively talented. Yeah. And uh and I, I give it I give it strong marks. I really enjoyed it. Um and, you know it, it references it references the rock. It references um uh, it, it references Ghost Rider. It references mm. um, uh, uh, the Wicker Man. Ah, bees! Oh, Wicker Man! Yeah, bees! It references the bees meme, yeah. um, and it's 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 fantastic. And I'm not giving anything away. They it's really smart. It's really well done. And uh, Nick Nick Cage doesn't get it, but they were like, "You can't, we can't make the movie without you." Yeah, and uh, having experienced some tax tax issues, Nicholas Cage doesn't get to say no. Uh, yeah. so he, he does whatever is brought to him. Okay. And, and I say, wow, what a silver lining out of that, that situation. Cause you know, given, given the choice, he probably wouldn't have done this movie. Hmm. Um, cause it, it is very tongue in cheek. And this is very recent. Uh, it, cause you said you saw it on early, early I, access. I watched it on early access, like an in movie theater purchase on Amazon. Okay. Okay. Um, but it has since come to. Very cool. I believe HBO. Give us the name of it one more time, please. The unbearable weight of massive talent. Yes. And and Nicholas, make no mistake, Nicholas Cage is massively talented. He yeah. has one best actor and best supporting actor over the course of his career. He is massively talented. Nicholas Francis Coppola, Nick Cage. Nick Cage, ladies and gentlemen. Nick Cage. Was this our first Nick Cage? Did, have we done a Nick Cage? I think this is our first Nick Cage. It's our second one. Sean Connery. Second Sean Connery. Sean Con- How many dragons first, do you know? First um, Sean Connery on, on screen, though. Yes. So. Um, well worth it. Oh, well worth it. That was a good one. Good yeah. one to start with. All right. Very Ske- good. Sketch, what's your rec? My rec. Now, this is going to be a little tough for me to do because I watched this so long ago at okay. this point, but yeah. I've been wanting to recommend it for a while. It is an anime called Vinland Saga. Have you heard of Vinland Saga? I have not. Okay. So it's on Amazon Prime. Oh, okay, good. I was going to say, I don't have Hulu right now, so I haven't been watching a lot of anime. Um, It's on Amazon Prime. I don't... I Vinland. think it's dubbed. I think it's dubbed. I hope. I don't remember what I watched it on. I don't watch subs. Um, but it was it was a while ago. I'm getting into more dubbed. The dubbing's stuff. gotten very yeah, good. Dubbing's been getting good. Um, I don't remember what which this said, but okay. Vinland Saga is an anime um, that is like... A, it, it, it does follow some classic anime tropes but at its core it is like a historical drama and it takes place during viking times and it follows um the events of this young boy's life um who has been uh raised kind of sheltered in a very safe and um well-run village his father's the chief um and through a, a circumstance of events yeah, uh, you find out that his father was this great warrior, and um, 
there is this lineage behind him that he kind of gave up to have this quiet life with his family. And um, he gets dragged back into battle. Hmm. Um, and because it's so integral to the plot, I will just say dies protecting his son. And so now his son has like this giant weight on his shoulders of like who his father was and who he has to live up to. And it chronicles the story of this boy growing into a man. There's a lot of time jumps as, as he um, kind of joins this, this group of Vikings uh, first for revenge and for just surviving in the world. And um, it's, it's quite serious, which is very different from my mm. usual anime takes um, filled with lots of drama. It's quite emotional. Um, the only point where like anime does show up to me is in fight sequences. Like the fight sequences are amazing. They're mm -hmm. awesome. It's grounded in reality. So there is no magic, uh, or things like that. It's sword and shield. It's gruesome. It's, you know, Viking bloodshed. Right. Um, and then, uh, through this character's eyes and through his experiences, you learn about the Viking culture and um, the goings on and, and how things, you know, in classic storytelling are not what they seem and that there are more dangers than are expected and they mm -hmm. might not be coming from where you expect them to be. And um, yeah, so the first season is out. I understand that the manga is incredibly long and that this just touched on like oh, the setup wow. of the whole story. Yeah. But you could honestly watch season one and it's like a self-contained story that is just it's just really well done. And I, I really haven't watched anything that's like a historical drama before, um, especially the one that doesn't take place in Japan. It's showing another culture's mm -hmm. story of of, um, of of growing up. So Vinland Saga on Amazon Prime. I'm in. Um, I watched it all within a couple of days, but I watched it back in the winter. But yeah. like, I, it was highly recommended to me. Actually, it was highly recommended for a long time. And every time I tried to play it, Amazon Prime would be like, there's a problem with this title. Try again later. Oh, interesting. And like that took forever. And then all of a sudden it started playing and I watched the whole thing like within a week because I was just like so into the story and, and seeing how this goes. So that happened to me with uh, getting a PS5 on Amazon recently. There's a problem with your shopping cart. Yeah. Did it go through? No. Yeah. Okay. That's 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 I got it, I got it into my cart. That was the last then... message I got from you. And then I was afraid yeah. to ask for yeah, follow -ups. Didn't Didn't get it. Didn't get it. I, when I clicked on, like, do you want to go to your cart and buy this? It was like, oh, something went wrong with your cart. And yeah. then it was gone. Yeah. Like, Amazon, what are you doing? But anyway, I am recommending uh, Vinland, Vinland Saga. Vinland Saga. Good rec sketch. Yeah. It's cool. And and different. It's yeah. Quite different. from Longtime listeners, uh, good to be back. It is good to be back. Thanks for sticking with us. Um, yeah. You going to take anything from the rock the rock i'll Satan's see butthole no wait he's not the one that says Satan's no butthole. A... that's nick cage oh i for... i do want to leave you with this little nugget um i it was during the history i skipped it because i have so many things uh sean connery demanded a cabin be built on the island so he didn't have to take a ferry over every day yeah and he got it is it still there it's still there that's awesome they because it's a bird sanctuary all right babe the... now we're going to alcatraz he's, he's i need to sean see connery's sean cabin. connery's cabin that would be an amazing airbnb right yeah um, didn't want to spend however long it was on the ferry every That's day. Fair. 65. He's putting yeah. his deuce. Just, just build me a cabin. Give it to him. Bed, shower. And, and they did. And they did. Yeah. He got it. So you're taking Sean Connery's cabin. Uh, I'm going to, uh, I'm not, no, I'm not taking Sean Connery's cabin. I'm going to take, I'm going to take, uh, this is questionable of all the things I could take from Alcatraz. I'm going to take the atropine. I'm going to take some of the atropine That's from smart. some of those, 
some of those um, seals that didn't use seals them. that didn't use them because yeah. I mean in the dangerous times this not for too much real world in our fake worlds here but it's a it's a dangerous time so yeah. I'm gonna take a couple of vials of that atropine and what does atropine do I don't know but it seems it seemed to work it did the trick it did the trick I'm whatever take it. it does it did the trick it's like at adrenaline into your heart right yeah. i don't know what that would do for a chemi- and then chemical cures agent. everything it cures everything all you need is heightened adrenaline yeah atropine into your heart you're atropine. good okay. okay so i'm taking it it okay. seems to cure everything well i had something i was going to take but i i was hesitant because i thought you were going to take it oh, but what now is that it? it's Maybe up for grabs it. new vehicle for the garage this beige volvo <laughs> Um, that's interesting. No, I fucking hated that thing. The beige Volvo? Beige Volvo. Hated. That's what they were driving at the end of the movie, no, right? At the, at the end of the movie, it's a Beetle. Is Cause it? Because I, I, yeah. Because oh, I, I thought it was the, I thought it was a 50s Volvo. No, cause I, I made, thought that was the Volvo. I made the, I made the joke to the missus and she was like, no, that's a, that's a VW Bug. And I was like, oh, the beige Volvo is what, uh, Nick Cage's character drives in real life. Although it doesn't jive with like this character he's made for himself, but it makes for a good Good joke. It's the Volvos are supposedly very safe. Yeah. So and beige. <laughs> it's just very plain. I feel bad for beige sometime because it really just gets nailed as the plainest mundane color in existence. It so. is. Oh, and also there was supposed to be a sequel. Yeah, I'm sorry, I'm off my game. There could easily be a sequel. Uh yeah, us. where the US government goes after Stanley Goodspeed yeah. for the microfilm. Of course. And he has to find John Mason and they like go off into the sunset together. I love it. Let's write it. They just never got around to it. Sean Connery's dead. Yeah, no, but like CGI stuff. How do you feel about that when they Sean bring Connery people back as CGI? CGI? I'm not a fan. I'm also not a fan. I'm not into it. They should, they should let an actor rest once they yeah once they pass on. But you know what? You can still make the movie, and like Nick Cage finds out that Mason has died peacefully. Right. Blah 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 blah. So then he's got to go find Mason's daughter yeah. to help him escape. Yeah. And she's like, I don't know. I don't. I can't about help this. you, man. And that's the movie. Do you, do you want to know something about Led Zeppelin? And then it's just, and it? then it's just, um, good speed. Like <laughs> it, it almost, almost like talking to himself in like Sean Connery's. Two, yeah, he's yeah, like two he people. Um, all right, print it. Oh guys, my god, uh, trademark, it. copyright, uh, Michael Bay. Yeah, let us know. We'll write that. Yeah, The Rock we, we've got Two. A, we've got a pitch for you yeah. for The Rock Two. We we know how to make this happen. The Rock Two. What would the what would the subtitle be? The Rock Two. Change butthole. Oh, and I have another oh, man. I'm out of practice, long time listeners. All but right, but bonus. I believe I believe my my John Mason fix being Sean Connery. I believe that my shady theory yeah. for Mason as Bond also fixes current Star Wars issue with legacy characters. Of course. Um. We, are, I, we all went there. We all connected I, the dots. E, solo. Okay. Like the the way to continue to use these characters, yeah. i.e. Solo, is not a solo prequel. Yeah. The Millennium Falcon is the 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 rebellion for all yeah. cases. It's a famous ship. Yes, it is. Han Solo is just a name that they passed out. It's a code name that sure. different people take on. It's and that's how you keep the character alive. Yeah, do that. Not by recasting the role. And because um Kathleen Kennedy has said like that was a mistake, we're never gonna do it again. People want more Han Solo. They want Sean. Con- they want um, Harrison Ford as Han Solo. They don't want some other actor playing an earlier version of Han Solo. Like it's just a title that's given to covert operatives within yep. the rebellion to yep. ca- to carry it out. It's like you're welcome. It's a way you get to keep using it, and it pays way more justice than like just recasting an- another actor in the role. I could make a point here, but I will not. Okay, because 
it's addressed in the Obi-Wan series, and I will not spoil that on the air. Oh, is it? We'll talk off mic. Oh, okay, good. We'll talk off mic. Did I miss that when we were watching Obi-Wan? No, no, no. No, 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 no. No, no. But we'll talk about that off mic, off mic. Off mic, off mic. Not off mic, on mic. Not off mic, on mic. Long time listeners, uh, if you are a fan of the show, uh, you can uh, leave us a rating review on your podcast platform of choice. And um, our, our, our metrics show an interesting phenomenon. A lot of you listen to the show, but most of you aren't subscribed. Less than 50% of listeners are subscribed to the show. Um, if you would kindly smash that subscribe button... Smash it. However you're listening to Geeking Out with Shades and Sketch, whether it's on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, Spot- please hit the subscribe button. Please. Uh, it makes the difference in boosting the metrics of our show, which get our show into the ears of more people. Uh, so thank you for listening. But if you are a regular listener and you're not subscribed, please do so. It really helps the show um, get into the the algorithm so that more people learn about it. Uh, it costs you nothing. And thanks for letting us in your ears. Yeah. And uh, on that note, we'll see you next time. We'll see you next time. If you'd like to take a more active role in supporting Geeking Out, visit us at patreon.com slash shades and sketch. Our website is shows.acast.com slash geeking out. You can email the show at go with shades and sketch at gmail.com or contact us through Facebook or Twitter. Geeking Out is a production of Tree Cave Creative, LLC. All rights reserved, 2022.